Welcome to another Rip Roaring episode of Pod Like a Hole. This is the podcast where we go through uh, Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor's uh, history, discography, and everything else in between. Um, this is your host, Mark, uh, and with me, as always, is my dear colleague and friend, uh, Stephen Earl Chambers. Steve Queen. And uh, also, <laughs> I am also joined by my good man, uh, Eric M. Anderson. But not a, not a friend. No, just a good man. Just a colleague, yeah. Just a good man. Just yeah. ob- objectively a good man. I'm here. Objectively. Objectively. <laughs> so tonight we're going to crack open the owner's manual and we're going to find out how to destroy angels. Um, it is a side project uh, that... Win or I? <laughs> yeah, to speak, speaking of owner's manuals, since this felt like homework, I think it's a, a very apt way to now, put it. Now, guys, 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 listen, we are here in the Brandstad parlor on Thanksgiving Eve, and what better way than to talk about a family affair, a warm, a warm, mm-hmm. uh, loving family project like How to Destroy Angels. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, every band um, has to have go through like a wings phase, you know, where... <laughs> They bring the wife in. It's a order. very, very apt description. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I was thinking that <coughs> on wings. As we get through this episode, depending on how it goes, this might be the one where uh, if if uh, Mr. Reznor was sitting on the fence about maybe coming on this show and talking to us one day, well, after he hears some of the things that we're going to say, possibly about a friend of his, he might not want it. Um, it's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. Um, so. How should we start? You know? Nine Inch News. Now let's hear that Nine Inch News. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, Nine Inch News. In uh, addition to the midterms going a good way, which has nothing to do with Nine Inch Nails unless they voted certainly a certain way. Um, did you guys vote? Certainly did. Vote by mail, baby. Eric, did you vote? Oh, of course I did. What do, you, what do I look like? Do I look like a putz? Yeah. <laughs> you look like a podcaster. Um Red all the way down. No. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no. Here in California, we got to do what we can to stand strong for the state of Jefferson. Absolutely. <laughs> um, some some things that happened recently is that uh, there's a band floating around out there that I just learned about called the Black Queen. Have you listened to the Black Queen? I've not even heard of the Black Queen. Eric, did you listen to anything yet? I have. It's um, somebody from. Uh... Uh, oh god Deleted or escape plan Yeah well it's some Tangential programmer Of Nine Inch Nails Of which I don't know There's like a There's some guy Yeah You know I probably should have Found his name Look it up well, Speaking <laughs> of a tangential I, Not to derail this But do you remember That project Error It had Atticus mm-hmm. Ross And Yes We've talked about it On the show before Yeah yeah We never really gave that The time of day did we Well you know uh, if we were using the rules we use now, we probably would have listened to it. Sure. Because later in this episode, I demanded that we talk about two Queens of the Stone Age songs. But, um, but yeah. The man himself wasn't uh, familiar no, was with Atticus, Atticus, Ross, Atticus Ross, Ross before yeah. he was in Nine Nails. And it was in the, someone from Bad Religion, or was it someone from... It was somebody from Bad Religion. Wasn't it? And yeah. Dillinger Escape Plan. There you go. Yeah. Reference episode, blah, blah, blah. Um... <laughs> But the same guy, the same singer from Deal Jerk's Skate Plan, Greg, whatever his name is. The guy that replaced the original yeah, guy. Yeah, Greg. Was that, yeah, yeah. He kind of sounds Kikito. like... Sure. Because wasn't Miss Machine supposed to be really Nine Inch Nails-esque, that album? I remember... It was remember definitely... Had, they definitely... I've 
uh, listeners are gonna be like, God, Dildor's escape plan again. Scrub forward. Yes, they definitely wore their influences on their sleeves, and uh, uh, especially with the Mike Patton stuff, yeah. like that. Uh, Iron Man is a dead daddy. scene. Yeah, they. they it's uh, a they, good little yeah. EP. They, as as they went along, they never put a bad album out. Yeah. Um. Anyhow, they they have this project, and some guy, lead singer of Dillinger's Escape Plan, some other guy that did stuff with Nine Inch Nails. I thought Eric was gonna look his name up. Whatever. Um. <laughs> they sound it's really it's a good project though because it sounds like it sounds like a, if somebody it sounds like Black Celebration by Depeche Mode recorded today okay so it's a it's a cool it's a cool sound did it's you just, ever hear that album Crosses that Chino Moreno did with uh, yeah what'd you think of that one because right. that was kind of like his way of trying to nod towards Depeche Mode yeah so. but his his thing is <clears throat> oh, I, Steven Alexander yeah okay no idea who that is. He was former tech for Nine Inch Nails and Keisha. There you go. A tech. It's pronounced Kesha. Kesha. Uh, I, I, I subscribe to the Church of the Deftones in St. Chino. Sure. Um, the great band, and if you're going to have a band come from your hometown, Deftones is a perfect one. Team Sleep is the way. Well, Tesla has a word for you. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm kidding. Um, here's my, my thing with churches and Team Sleep and another one I think called either Psalms or Palms. And, uh, crosses, you mean? Oh, Palms was with the guys from ISIS. Palms was Chino with the guys from ISIS. Yeah, uh, crosses, the band, not the not the terrorist. Yes, uh, fa- fantastic band. Crosses was Chino with somebody who I can't remember. Um, DJ something. Yes, and Team Sleep was various Sacramento people, maybe Zach Hill. Yep, and Chino. All three of those artists all sound like Chino and Friends. Yes, he has a way where he just makes everything kind of sound the same. Yeah, it's not bad. But none the three of those don't really stand out for me like the Deftones do. Mm-hmm. Um, his singing tends to overshadow everything else. He's not even a very good vocalist. He's better than what we're going to deal with tonight. But uh, calming down. <laughs> <he's>, uh, <laughs> rude, but, uh, rude. But he has a he has a presence in a certain type of tone that is definitely him. A Deftone. Um, th- there you go. But anyhow, moving on. Moving on. Uh, Chris did Ryan. you guys happen to watch the? Uh, the the video of uh, Robin Fink and Alessandro Cortini talking about their guitars. No, I did not. It's I saw in, that you had put that in the writers' room thread, but um, I I didn't get around to watching it. It's an hour long. Oh my! Oh. And, um, I think I watched the whole thing. Is it strictly for gearheads? Or no, it's like actually it's... not. I think that uh, I think that if you like Nine Inch Nails at all, you'll be interested to just hear how they get some of those sounds. There are times where you know you think it's a a piano but it turns out to be a pot in a pan uh, they don't really go down that route too much because the guitar players but it's interesting enough uh, uh, if you can hang out around for the whole hour then you're probably a gearhead okay but it's, it's worth it it's also fun to just see guys that are usually in the background talking about their craft because I wasn't aware of it but it makes sense because I'm not a musician that Nine Inch Nails so much of their stuff they would take like a, t- a ton of pedals and shit they already have programmed, and they just you know press just a button, press a button and, 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 and put it through a, runs a, a through filter. A workflow. Yeah. yeah, and it's, it's absolutely necessary for a band that has this many different sounds. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, um, I always wondered how you know the magicians do it. Yep, I'll go down to my guitar center and see if they'll toss that up on the big screen. Yeah. Uh, There's still guitar centers. Oh, yeah, brick and mortar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of guitar centers. Uh, Chris Renna had a little soundbite about his time in the Chinese democracy trenches. Uh-huh. Um, 
He didn't say much about Axl Rose. You don't, you don't already know. Basically said Axl Rose is an all right guy. Which, by this time, you probably know, you probably know because you've sat, because through, you've our sat through our wonderful, wonderful Chinese democracy, democracy special. Yeah, it came surprisingly into our inbox, and I was like, let's put it up. Yeah, you know, yeah. if I... A very special episode. If I could have figured out how to, to upload it my own, I would have. But, <laughs> That's just hacking. Yeah, I think I just emailed the, the other two gentlemen on this episode and said, hey, you got something in your mail. And uh, nobody took me seriously for all these months. I know. This uh, is how Trump got dropped, elected. You've been, yeah. you've been dropping hints. You've been dropping hints. Yeah, but me and my friend Ian, who's a, another... Guns N' Roses, -er, a gunner, sat down and talked about that whole damn album track by track. And uh, did you I, do this via like uh, Webex? We, or we did. Yeah, okay. I, I, I haven't yet listened to the to that uh, world class episode yet. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you have a drive soon because yeah. it's it's fucking long. Is it really? Like, yes. how long did you? Uh, how long is this? I feel like it's two hours. Two hours hour. longer than the album takes. To listen. <laughs> like, did you listen to it, Eric? <laughs> I listened to half of it. It's <laughs> two hours and ten minutes, um, I think. But that's why tonight we sound. You know, after what episode is this? This will be episode twenty. Okay, around episode. 14, I think we finally figured out how to do this show with the, 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 the microphones. We each, had our, we each have our own microphone now. We, had, we were able to uh, pull our funds. Eric had to get a third job. Um, <laughs> but then while I recorded the Chinese Democracy episode, I basically left my microphone at home. So that's the uh, price you pay is that Eric it's and I are sitting right next to each other. Gift that keeps on giving, that Chinese Democracy. Yep. But, uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Filter getting back together, the old version, which is uh, uh, the one guy with blonde hair and that's right. Brian Brian Lee's gang, Brian Lee's gang, Robert Patrick. Oh yeah, Robert Patrick never went anywhere. Good job, man. Robert I bet Pat you yeah. said that five times <laughs> yeah. in the mirror before walking over. Robert Pat and uh, they're and they're they're making Short Bus 2.0. Are they really? Calling, that's what they're calling it. Oh, I really ran out of ideas. Wait a minute. Yeah. And, Wait a minute. You fucked it up again. It's Richard Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> it is Richard Patrick. God damn it. Anyways, uh, Richard Patrick, Brian Lee's gang, Short Bus 2.0. They're filming a bunch of Facebook videos as they're recording it, like they did their first album in a in a van in a bus, which is how they recorded mm, okay. the first one. And they're doing it again, and we'll see, we'll see. Because I do love Short Bus. I think it, I, 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 not every song, but I, I think there's about six or seven songs on there that I that I that I think about. Yes, reference our first episode. Yeah. So, Keith Hildebrandt, is it Hildebrandt? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. He released uh, an, a long-lost album he did with another guy. Um, you can find can it you on listen your... listen to it? Yeah, it's, it's not right. on the streaming services. It's it's not. Is it? I, I think find, it is. I couldn't find it unless I thought it I goes found by it. a different name. I found it on Reddit. Okay. Um, where I've been spending way too much time. It's terrible. It sucks you in, man. It really does. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it was... Speaking of which, have we gotten any new reviews lately? We were going to get to that at the end. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to bring it up when I was talking about microphones. Um, uh, yeah, anyhow, that's during that's during the next segment. It's a it's a curio. It's a curio. It, it's kind of it's just oh, it sounds like it was recorded in 1989 by two guys that like electronic music. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Speaking of curios, uh, Paul Barker also released an album in the last couple years that I just discovered called Fix That, which was I think it was an exclamation point. 
yeah, fix that. Which yeah. was his his re- retort? To it outdoor- sounds like a uh, 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 repair show on HGTV. <laughs> Which is it was his walking guy just yelling around. Fix, fix that. that! You walk into fix someone's that. house and you just tell them what to fix. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. And it's his retort to Al Jorgensen's uh, fix uh, uh, documentary, ministry documentary about the new form. Um, it's a kind of a cool little compilation. Not all the songs are great, but like the Ogre song is really good and. Uh, the um, the Chris Connolly songs are fantastic. It's definitely worth a listen. Um, it definitely sounds like some some '90s industrial rock, um, but it leads us into some good news. Which after all that, he and Al Jorgensen are talking again. Which, yeah, there uh, are some retrospective videos made by I want to say RevolverMagazine.com, which is a great website. It's where I learned about Black Queen. Um, they have pretty decent articles on there. They lean towards the heavier side and the metal side, which is why I spent a lot of time there and where I discovered the great band called Behemoth recently. Boy, howdy. You guys, probably not for you, but man. Behemoth. Dense. <laughs> dense, great, evil stuff where they, they... You want to talk about dynamics. Anyhow. I told you this last night. Uh, my Last night? I do it. Oh, last, yeah. Last night, my routine with my son is I tuck him into bed I tell his Alexa to play something soothing. Usually it's like trying to raise a, a music nerd. It's usually like shuffle songs by Brian Eno, shuffle songs by mm-hmm. Cocteau Twins, sh- shuffle uh, or play a selected ambient works volume two. And and just for a joke, I, I said shuffle songs by Behemoth and I shut the light off and closed the door on him. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's a lot of laughter. He, he, he found it funny. Yes, the lead, the, lead, the lead singer calls himself Nurgle. He hates religion and he, uh, he manages to have... Where are they from, by the Poland. Way? Um, of course. It's okay. really talented musicians, and it's not all growly growls. And then there's weird string sections and choruses of children. But there's also an album called The Satanist, and it's incredible. Sure. Um, anyhow, they're playing Friday in San Francisco, and I'm not going. My point was, Revolver Magazine, the uh, the website, uh, is where they had these videos of retrospectives for the recording of Land of Rape and Honey. And that's where Paul and Al started talking but they're just there talking. They're not working together. Not yet. It's just basically sometimes you got to got to plant a seed. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Uh, the only mm-hmm. and this is the big Trent Reznor news uh, the last month other than the tour that's been going on and the fantastic set list that we've been reading about is that he did an EP of the score. Ah, they they did did an EP. <laughs> they did and yes. Atticus Ross. Yes, and Atticus Ross. <laughs> I saw that, as, clip as that too. Interview. Yeah. He is, so Trent and Atticus did a mid '90s score for the film by Jonah Hill. We d- talked about it in the last episode. We listened to it. We will talk about it in our uh, next episode where we will wrangle all of the uncollected soundtracks into one beautiful episode. What's interesting yeah. about that, Eric, is that you're implying that we're going to also talk about mid-90s in the next episode, yes. which means that we need to watch it. Oh, shit. It'll probably be available. At the rate we go, it'll be available for DTV <laughs> or whatever the hell it's Maybe. called. If it, it'll if be it on is, iTunes. Yeah, if, or, or, or we'll have to make that our addendum. Speaking, speaking sure. of future news, current events, by the time we do record the next episode, we will have seen Nine Inch Nails. I hold in my hand our tickets for the San Francisco show. Unless we're, we're not going to record the next episode in the next two no, weeks. So. Probably not. No, I don't I mean, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> let's, we'll see. Let's be real. <laughs> Unless we're doing like voice memos on our own phone at the show. Yeah. Recording on the way, oh, on the way, on yeah. the way down there. Yeah. I think we might do a special episode just about the show. We'll see. Let's see if we can fit something in there. Yeah. But uh, that's coming soon. Yeah, I had, I had grand plans to try to see the other San Francisco show and then see some of the LA shows. 
Yeah, so the LA shows, there's six of them, so like that's not going to come to fruition. I think I've come back down to earth. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Going to really enjoy this show we see together and leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't mind if they didn't have all those damn set lists out there where they, you know, we're playing a variety of 67 songs. I know. You know? Right. Like we're going to see 25 songs. Yeah. And then we're going to be like, oh. What's, what are they going to do in, the, yeah. in like night two? And they're going to blow the doors off the place. Wait, and we're gonna be like, we should have went. Night two, they're going to open. I want to. Yeah, night two, they're going to open with Where's Everybody? And they're going to close with the new song they wrote about us. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Where's my pod like a hauler's? <laughs> and then there'll be crickets. crickets. Yeah. Uh, section, next section, the fan that feeds. We have gotten some good fan feedback recently. We're going to get through this pretty quick. Uh, Big uh, big ups to uh, Mauricio Gar eighty one who left us an iTunes review said some very nice things. He claimed that we were the Nine Inch Nails podcast for true fans, and uh, I, I think we can all appreciate those. Well, those the, kind of words. since we've done this show, I've realized that there was already two other Nine Inch Nails podcasts doing what I thought only one Nine Inch Nails podcast was doing. So you have the discographers, which uh, all right, guys, I like them. I made a we we've talked on back to Reddit. That's some communications there. Uh, they're they're done now with Nine Inch Nails. They're going to move on to the Smashing Pumpkins. That's an endeavor. <laughs> yeah. Good luck to you. Yeah. <laughs> Godspeed, my good friends. Because <laughs> after uh, after a door, there be there be dragons. Yes. I'll tell you. Oh goodness. And then then I, apparently there was one a few years ago called uh, Trent Talk. Did the same thing we're doing now, just like a year and a half before. Missed the boat on all this new good stuff though. Yeah, I think they 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 they, they, they you got to be. You got to be the right thing at the right time, and that's what we are. So yeah. anyhow, yeah. Mauricio, you were con- concerned that we didn't talk about closure. Uh, just go back and listen to the I think it's the five year gap I episode so. where yeah. we talk about the closure video. Check it out. Um, not so kind words coming from uh, <laughs> where saw e where saw we. I have a theory. Uh, um, hates our Chex Mix eating. Yeah, calls us Chompy Mix. Stop fucking crunching. Would yeah. great name actually. Kudos for. A great I, I'm name. gonna name my boat that. Thank That's you. Actually, <laughs> I. Uh, yeah. So we had the two. Shout think, engine giving you a lot of kickback. <laughs> ad revenue. You holding yeah. out on us? <laughs> Eric, Eric's about to get a fourth job. I'm the executive um, producer. Um, everything goes through me. So sorry, um, guys. Yeah. Speaking of which, yeah, uh, editing that Chinese democracy episode was a bitch. I don't know how you do it. Good luck to you. Yeah, uh, I know it's fun, isn't it? Dropping all the sound clips in, and then you think you do it right, and then you go to listen to them, and you're like, Blap! Uh, <laughs> the the smooth transition from speaking to song back to to speaking mm-hmm. is tough. To not make it just jarring is all hell. Yep. Um, but anyhow, this review that got left, that's fine. That's it's warranted criticism. We did have two or three episodes where, when we were younger, two. we didn't realize that if you're eating, shoveling food in your face by a microphone, you're going to hear it. <laughs> I, I don't know how we didn't get that. Well, <laughs> to be fair... I mean, we were drinking the whole time, so we got to yeah, like, sober up drinking? somehow. Yeah. You know? It's never an excuse at work. Um, <laughs> but it uh, also, you know, in one of those episodes, they, they, we do record marathon style. We do chop up some into longer, uh, in, into separate episodes. And one of those was when we were in my basement and my dog was walking around. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was the five-year gap. That was the Crow episode yeah, as well. Five-year yeah. gap. Crow yeah. and, and Great episode. Yeah. Great episode, yeah. if I might we say to myself. good man, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's definitely going to have some of that on the clip show when we come out with that in a few years. That's right. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, uh, we had the Nothing Records episode, which had, at the very end of the night, the Marilyn Manson special, which I am very proud of. 
and I've cross posted that to Marilyn Manson websites. Sure. I think that's where this guy came from because (laughs) there's a certain type of anger and disassociation from reality, dissociative. Uh, Some of this Marilyn Manson fans have, man. (laughs) They, uh, they really, I I can't believe how many of the, like I thought it was common knowledge that once they quit being a band, they weren't as good. Yeah. But there's, there's people out there that think the reverse. Holding on, man. I don't get it. Holding on. That's bizarre to me. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. It's true. Um, it's uh, like when Manson entered his Fat Elvis phase, um, people are still, you know, lining up to buy tickets. It's true. Why wouldn't I? I uh, as we've said, we like the new albums pretty much on this show. Yeah, the new the new new album. Yeah, like I mean, the last two. They're still not classics. They're not Stone Cold classics, no. but they're still serviceable. Yeah. yeah, but I I just always and kind of would be like, why don't you just take the makeup off and see what happens if you try to. Yeah. Not do all the shocking stuff anymore. Right, I think it's because it's not shocking anymore. Something different, right? It's not shocking anymore. Yep. <clears throat> Anyhow. Anyhow. Uh, there's been a lot of fun uh, discussions we've been having on our Facebook page, so I do recommend uh, listeners check it out if 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 they mess with that. Um, we uh, we had a conversation about favorite remixes, where it seemed like uh, Closer to God was in the top ranking one um, as far as like listener favorites, um, and then. Uh, Talking about tour it's, songs. It's, it's not a remix. It's like a completely different exactly. song. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a remix, though. I mean, like, in I, a way. It is. Well, well, I'm not paying close, attention. Closer to God. To God. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 That's a different song. I uh, really feel like it could stay on the it, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, talking about, like, the top songs listeners want to hear on the tour. So it's, it's, it's a fun conversation. So just come on over. And that's all I got on this, this segment. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, feedback, whether it's positive or hilarious or negative i we still we might make fun it. of the negative but that's okay we just we're just sore <laughs> we've got it very, very sour grapes that's all i had to say it was good it's like i'm thinking about watching battlestar galactica again soon and if you were to watch all of battlestar galactica but then you just hone in on the episode called black market which is deplorable that's what this guy did he just picked the you know yeah the one thing Everything else we do is perfect. We I mean, perfect. As our as as Mauricio t- said, it is a true fan podcast. Yeah, a true podcast for the true fans. Put that on my yeah. tombstone. Yeah. Thank you, Mauricio. Mark was a true fan. Yeah. That's right. He's dead now. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and then, and then we'll come back. We're gonna uh, talk about the we'll tw- get in 2010 to 2013, no, 2011, Alrighty. Yeah. So after this, we'll be right back. So catching uh, everybody up to speed on the years here, we're really looking at 2010, 2011 to 2013, um, but we did kind of miss out on something, and it was a very hilarious, hilarious practical joke from 2009 that Trent pulled on all of us uh, social media users, um, where he, he, he made a big album announcement on April Fool's Day, claiming he had a new album called Strobe Light coming out. The, uh, the cover was ridiculous. It was like black and white with... Uh, him wearing those Kanye glasses during the, yeah, yeah the, Kanye's 808 and Heartbreaks yeah, era yeah, yeah. yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, yeah not the first time I'll bring Kanye up tonight <laughs> <laughs> and uh, claimed I mean he claimed his new album was going to be like featuring Timberland and 
in Lady Gaga, right? I mean, there was there was like a whole track listing, like a whole fake track listing. I think the whole thing was supposed to be produced by Timberland. If you oh, right. recall, I, I can't remember what year that Chris Cornell record came out, that solo record. Scream. Um, but it was produced by uh, Timberland. That was a few years before. But there, there, there was some some low, great low point for Mr. Cornell. Ah, uh, some great. Some great titles. Some great to Everybody's doing it with Chris Martin, Jay-Z, and Bono. God, that's so, so, so terrible. Pussy Grinder <laughs> with, with Cheryl Crow. Crow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess a band um, actually interpreted what that would potentially sound like. Oh. I think they... I can't remember what the name of the band was, but was yeah. Pacifier. Even Closer with Justin Timberlake and Maynard Keenan. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. On the list, she's not. Clap Trap, Crack Slap. Laid, paid, and played, featuring Fergie and Al Jorgensen. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Ugh. a revolting Cox uh, joke. Uh, yeah. So that would have, in a way, that would have been amazing to hear. Yeah. It would also have been a, it would have been a smudge on Trent's legacy, also. But it, the yeah. cover is something else. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Uh, I. I <laughs> the, the glasses he's wearing on the cover of a precursor to that episode of. Uh, curb your enthusiasm. People claim he's in where he's painted like a uh, one of those guys down in like the Sunset Strip. I forgot about that. Right. Yeah. And there's a guy that looks just like him, but he's in silver makeup, so you can't tell. <laughs> I think I think Trent Reznor perpetuated that it's true. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. Actually, Larry David and Trent Reznor probably have a lot in common <laughs> as far as personalities go and neuroses. Just, and no time for for nonsense. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Mark, what else was Trent doing during this time? I know that Nine Inch Nails was on a hiatus. I mean, I we've we've argued if they said they were done or if they just said they were done touring or they said they were done. No, no, I've done my research. He basically said we're done for a while. Um, I think they were getting tired of the whole like uh, put out an album, go on tour cycle, and I think it just got stale. Um, so they did the Ninja Tour with Jane's Addiction and Social uh, Sweet Social Distortion. No, <laughs> Street Sweeper Social Club. Yes, yeah. and that was uh, we talked about that yeah. on the Slip episode. Um, he got married to Mary Queen um, Mondig in uh, October of two thousand nine, and so when we go into two thousand, they got married in uh, Big Sur. Did they really? Yes, they did. I know this because a clip of him live. Where uh, he's talking about something emotional before he he's going in. He's, he's I don't know what song he's playing. <clears throat> oh, it's Lemire, and he's saying, you know, this was recorded at a bad time, and uh, in a bad, not a great place. But uh, I'm gonna go back to that place next week and get married. Wow, is, is I that didn't know that. Yeah, they got, I thought they got married yeah. in L.A. or something. Give a new like meaning. That. That's great. Yeah, there you go. I have no idea where they met. Um, I don't know who introduced them. Um, I'm sure if I did a, my more extensive research, I could figure out like where they that's potentially cross paths. That's their story. That's their sure, story. yeah, yeah. And you don't want to delve too much into someone's personal relationship. But she was also in a band called West Indian Girl. Um, I remember listening to a little bit. It was Eric's wife, Heather, that introduced me to them. But hmm. I don't remember her actually being Wait, on. hold on. Sure. How old is she? Uh, Mary Queen? Uh, she was born the same year as me, 1981. She was actually born okay. a day before Jen. 19... Her birthday's April 5th, 1981. Jen's birthday's April 6th. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. And how old were you in 1989? Uh, 1989? Yes, you. I was you eight. eight. You were eight, eight years, years old. old. So she was making music when she was eight. No. No. 
No. West, West India, India Girl, Girl is a 2000s band. Yeah. That's weird because if Heather introduced you to her, that means that Heather actually <laughs> oh. appreciated this music. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a deep cut stuff. joke right there. That is a deep cut joke about yeah, my, we've about all made my the joke. wife. My wife. Yeah. Um, we've all made the joke that Heather uh, doesn't appreciate music anything post-1989. Yeah. So so she liked th- this band, and, and, and it's hard to really put a... They're an indie band, an indie rock band. They have... Um, Definitely shades of like a, a kind of like a I definitely Brit pop like revival a kind little of thing. bit. I remember the album that she introduced me to. It almost sounded like Perry Farrell. Like right? Oh yeah. no, totally. No, right? that, I guess that, that's more kind of what I'm thinking. I guess not Brit pop, but like yeah, it had a Jane's Addiction kind of flavor to it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Was What's the, that one good Tahitian Moon? That's Porn for Pyros, and that's a good song. Yeah. Um, they're they're not bad. They're they're worth check. They're worth checking out. And she. And it's similar to this to the band we're going to be talking tonight. She shared double duty on vocals with a with a male singer, and I think actually he sang a little bit more. She was more on backups and auxiliary instruments. But huh. um, mm-hmm. but, not a uh, bad idea. Huh. Uh, we'll get into so that. Snark. <laughs> so snarky. So in uh, after they did the Wave Goodbye tour, um, they did like intimate club shows, and they were basically like putting a, a little pretty bow on everything with Nine Inch Nails touring. But he said that we would potentially make new material. He was just putting it on hiatus. But I remember back in uh, the Fragile era, um, he was absolutely interested in creating a band that has, that had a female-fronted vocalist, and he was going to take more of a background um, uh, uh, presence to it. And so when this was announced, How to Destroy Angels, I remembered that interview that he had did. And I looked everywhere on the internet to see if I could find that interview, but I, I couldn't find it. But I do remember reading in that like an alternative nation or something like that. Um, I don't know. If you can find it, go ahead and at me. Um, but I would say and then in 2010, they announced How to Destroy Angels, uh, the April of 2010. And it was Mary Queen that was going to be taking vocals, and it was going to be him, Atticus Ross, and uh, Mary Queen at that point. Later, Rob Sheridan would join the band, um, kind of in the more of the live aspect, and he was going to be doing the visual stuff like on stage um, in real time, and also playing some synthesizers. Um, and so they announced that in uh, 2010 uh, with some teaser videos, and they got the title "How to Destroy Angels" from a Coil song. Um, and then they later released that self-titled EP uh, about three months later in June. Instead of using the Halo designation uh, to catalog the releases, they called them sigils. Um, so, and then of course in 2010, uh, he was also working with Atticus Ross doing the Social Network soundtrack. Um, you want to continue into no, further is, years, no, or are we good? Or because yeah, I mean, that's basically how How to Destroy Angels really yeah, started. It, it pretty much when they when they when Trent and Atticus were not working on this, they were working on soundtracks. Pretty much, yeah. He wanted to be more collaborative, and he felt that he never really had the uh, the confidence to be collaborative and just do everything by himself. And so, this really kind of started the fruition of him and Atticus, and kind of going into the next phase of Nine Inch Nails, where Atticus really becomes a full time contributor. Um, great, great yeah. phase. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, uh, I, I think that uh, to my comment earlier. She has a wonderful voice when they decide to present it in a way that fits the music that we'll get to. Um, yeah, the first time I mentioned this in the show before, they played about four blocks from my house 
where Behemoth is playing Friday, my old San Francisco house. But I was going through, which we'll get into in our Where Were We? Man, I live next to some great venues, but you hit 30 and then you just start looking gift horses in the mouth. is is like great shows blocks away. And I was like, huh, Treasure's a new thing, huh? Nah, it's not Nine Inch Nails. I, I regret it now. Actually, you know what? I didn't regret it that night. And then later I regretted it because I was being some kind of asshole. And then after doing the homework for this episode, I don't regret it anymore. Really? Yeah. I mean, I wish that I, I would have been there just to uh, basically check a box, you know, yeah. I, but I wouldn't necessarily uh, feel like I, you know, missed out on anything. I really don't regret it because, I mean, I had an opportunity to go as I kinda, well. I kind of would have liked to have seen him during the Rob Sheridan because he probably did some cool stuff live that that, I mean, that, that would have added to the experience. They, they absolutely uh, describe this as more of an art installation rather than a rock concert and yeah, that's, that's the stuff that makes gets you want me to roll your eyes walk right, right in the other direction <laughs> <laughs> yeah no thank you so uh tra- hot. who needs hot <laughs> senator uh, tankerbell over yeah. there uh uh so trent also worked with queens of the stone age which we will talk about at the end of this episode um and dave grohl's sound city uh documentary and soundtrack that was in 2013 though yeah yeah well i mean yeah later yeah i mean we're we're gonna try to we're gonna be squeezing these years together during this segment this is so the three-year we'll, gap episode. Yeah, yeah. three-year gap but we'll yeah. be talking about these about these later um any other big trent atticus stuff that happened nine inch nails related stuff that happened during this block before we talk about what we were doing well, I mean, 2011, they won the Oscar. They won the Golden Globe for the score of Social Network. We talked about that in the last episode. Um, then they were also announcing the fact that they're going to do the score for David Fincher's next film, which was Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, and How to Destroy Angels also contributed a track to that called... Uh, it was cover version of Brian Ferry from Roxy Music. Uh, this was when Brian Ferry was actually solo. Right. Um, and Is Your Love Strong Enough? I don't. I do not like this cover. I will just throw that out. You know there what's right fascinating yeah. is that I really enjoyed that song, the cover. I really, think, I don't think I knew it was a. a I didn't know it was a. Uh, a Brian a cover. Ferry cover song. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was cheesy as shit. So well, like, we'll, get, we'll get there. <laughs> well, yeah. you say that about a lot of these songs. <laughs> yeah. Today. So there's a fair amount of soundtrack work during this this period that we'll that we'll cover in the next episode. Um, But that's basically it. I mean, then that goes up until 2012 when they really start to ramp up um, the recording and the release of the full-length album. They released an EP in between. Uh, Trent also did a theme song for a video game, Call of Duty 2 Black Ops, or Call of Duty Black Ops 2, excuse me. And then in 2013 season... Are you going to answer the call of duty (laughs) (laughs) 2? Those games are fine. I don't know what you're talking about. I know that like everyone thinks that oh, it's rah rah patriotic bullshit, but it I actually didn't say is. that. I didn't say that. <laughs> a lot of other people do. Uh, a lot of people do. Like, in my yeah, opinion, they're if, cinematic like stories. I yeah, think they're great. He should have been. They should have used him on Metal Gear Solid. Um, I can see that. He likes video games. He does. You know, actually, one thing I learned about while researching for this episode um, was that did you know he originally started working on Doom Three? I didn't know that because I knew that Chris Vrenna, uh, this was around the time when he, no, it was earlier than that. It's like 2003. Yeah, that's right. Because he did the American McGee yeah. stuff. So the few, American McGee was around 1999, 2000. Yeah. Um, yeah, Turner started working on it and they decided to go in a different direction. <laughs> All right. Um, so what were we up to 
in this batch of years. Um, Some about, I mean, I think you guys both got married yeah, during this period of time. I got married in 2011, and then I had my daughter in 2012. Yes. I got uh, married in 2013. The day after I got married, I want to say Hesitation Marks came out. Um, were you married in the fall? No, because Mark and I talked about it at your wedding. So it was at least available to listen to. I was married on I had my a date. I got married tattooed yeah, my finger. it was. 8-31-13. August so 30th. Close. That's yeah. right. It was on uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, or close to that Labor Day weekend. Yes. Yeah, because I remember they were shutting down the Bay Bridge for construction. It was a whole big deal of how to get to where you were getting married. It was a big pain. It was in yeah. Sausalito. It was in Sausalito. It was beautiful. It was an amazing wedding. It I was loved fun. it. It was, a good, it was a good day. We both had a good wedding. Your wedding, your wedding was good, too. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But like, I, I wish that I was able to uh, um, be in a more scenic environment rather than out in you know somewhere on Fair Oaks and Sacramento. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Well, ours was yeah. half DIY, if you will. Yeah. And I've talked to other people. When you get married, you don't realize half of what's going on. You feel like you're an acid. And so, in between trying to like make sure people were kind of like tended to. Yeah. I also felt like I was an acid the entire time. So I, really, I mean, I I, I'll be it. honest. Like I remember, like so, I was uh, Steve's best man, and uh, like the whole uh, wedding was just trying to get him to enjoy the moment. Yes, it and I really feel like Steve was really trying to um, can still be the uh, the party planner, and I was like, just enjoy the fucking moment. Yes. I, I did enjoy it, but yeah. I feel like I was an acid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, so. it's a lot to take in. It's yeah. super overwhelming. It yes. is, yeah. Um, besides that, like I, I moved. I still live in San Francisco. I moved in with my fiance, who became my wife, for five years before we moved out of San Francisco. Um, just worked and was married, and I can't remember much more than that. Right? It's weird. It's, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I know. Eric, right. what are we up to? Uh, uh, yeah, 2011, I had our second kid, my daughter, Tallulah. Uh, oh, by the way, 2011. she... 2011. Yeah. Was Eric, was Heather pregnant uh, during our wedding? Yeah. Oh, super. Yeah. That's right. Very much so. That's Very right. So. And so Jen's sister was also pregnant yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, for, with her second as well. And uh, speaking of Tallulah, um, w- while she saw me typing up my notes, she said... Uh, Pod like a hole, more like pod like a butthole. Aha, uh-huh. bring her on the show. She's <laughs> yeah. got the perfect. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, yeah, there was that. I was still up in Tacoma, Washington, um, and um, getting all these soundtracks and all these How, How to Destroy Angel albums from my local library. I put them on my iTunes and, and listen to them. Did you really? Yeah. That's yeah. how you got That's it? That's how I got them, yeah. Oh, man, I, I couldn't be bothered. You didn't? Bu- did you buy this record when it first came out? I didn't buy any of these. Yeah. I... I don't think streaming... I talked to so many Nine Inch Nails fans that were like, no thanks to I, this. I might have bought the first EP. Because okay. a, a Drowning's been in my collection for years. But not the full length. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely not the full length. It's yeah. funny, now though, now, if they come out now, I probably would have, I probably would have spent, spent money on them. Mm-hmm. At the time, at the time, I, I, I just got them from the library a couple months after they came out. I can fall asleep in my own, <clears throat> thank you. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and then we moved back in 20, 20, 2013. We moved back to California. and uh, You moved yeah. to Vacaville, I think, right? right? Yeah. Vacaville, um, and then, yeah. So that was, we started our journey back, and it was, we got that much closer to reuniting the Trinity friends. It got yeah. close. I yeah. mean, but yeah. even when you were still about 45 minutes yeah. away from yeah. me, I still didn't see it. It was, you. nope, nope, it was, but we're getting closer. 
Yeah. Um, one thing that was interesting at this time in San Francisco from 20 to 2013 is uh, you started to really see the shift there. That We all know that it's now like basically a, a city of just homeless, super rich, and robots. And uh, that change really started around that, that time. Uh, every time you turn around, something was closing down. Uh, this week, the venue, the Mezzanine. I, I heard had, that, yeah. 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 I don't some think good I ever saw there. a show there. I saw multiple shows there, but the show that sticks out for me was uh, Goblin Cock. Okay, that's the guy from uh, Blackheart, right? Blackheart Procession? Yeah, he's more Rob oh, no, Crow. No, no, no. No, it, it is. That's he, Pinback. Yeah, he's from Pinback, right? He, but he also was in Blackheart. Are you sure? Oh, no, he nope. was in, no, he was in Three Mile He back. was, you're right, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Rob something. Rob Crow. Rob Crow. Anyhow, yeah. that was a... The downfall of San Francisco started to accelerate around this time. So that's the culture of San Francisco, but the uh, the, po- the pop culture during this uh, <laughs> during this block of time, um, we're gonna we're gonna gonna go on a breakneck pace here. So stop me if you want to talk about anything. But um, in three years, we saw the World Series go from the Cardinals to the Giants to the Red Sox. Yep, even year magic. We saw <laughs> we saw uh, Super Bowl. Uh, go from the Packers to the Giants to the Ravens. Yep. The other the other Harbaugh brother, that was the year that the goddamn 49ers were in it. Again, it was brother against brother coaches. It was Jim Harbaugh versus uh, other Harbaugh. And the, They're uh, both not in the, uh, coaching the NFL anymore, is what I understand. The Ravens right. one isn't? I don't know, actually. No, Jim Harbaugh definitely isn't. He, he coaches. is in Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. and they, they make, make reality shows out of them now. Yeah. Um, anyhow, the Niners lost. Keep going. Uh, NBA Mavericks. Thunder Spurs. I was really happy when the Mavericks Wait, won that year. The Thunder won? Yeah. No. That's right. Wait, no. Yes. I don't think they did. They did. Check your notes. It would be Mavericks. The Thunder. Mavericks, what? the Heat, the Spurs. Yeah, I think, yeah. The exactly. Thunder never won because Kevin Durant went to another team called the Warriors. We've heard of them. Yeah, um, no, exactly. And it because was because he, he basically. Championship. Yeah, he couldn't win with the, the way the Thunder was configured. Because the Thunder used to be the Seattle Supersonics. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Then they left Seattle. Some would say that they were stolen. And then Seattle tried to steal the Kings, who are good right now, by the way. The Kings are 9-8. and eight. The Kings are 9-8. and eight. They are above 500. That's wrong. Okay, well, this yeah. website's done me dirty again. <laughs> done me dirty again. Yeah, That's fine. No, it's, they it's, put it's, something wrong in that there. was the year yeah. that uh, LeBron was down yeah. in Miami. Miami. Yeah. Uh, and it was a close. I think it went to seven games. That shows what I know. I just read it and said, okay, no, cool. The Thunder. I never heard of them before in my life. Eric's not the sports guy. <laughs> uh, but I do want to say that the Kings are good right now. The Sacramento Kings are good right now. I keep bringing this up right now because this hasn't happened in like 15 years, 12 years, 10. Enough. Enough years. 2006 was the last, or... 2007, yeah. I think, was the last time they made it to the playoffs at all. But made. 2006 was the year they got jobbed by the refs, right? No, that was 2002. 2002, yes. okay. Um, they actually were in 2006? I thought after 2002. That no, was they kept going that. to the playoffs, but they didn't go deep. Okay. They got bounced in, like, first early rounds. Round. Yeah. yeah, okay. Man, the Kings are fun right now. All right, keep going. Some uh, sex symbols that are popping up... Um, are uh, speaking of Battlestar Galactica, Trisha Helfer, um, yep. Megan Fox. She's been on there for a while. Lily Allen, Kim Kardashian, Olivia Wilde, Demi Lovato, Kristen Wiig. Uh, you know, shows That's up on there. Interesting. Carrie That's Washington. Interesting. I find her. I find her to be a uh, attractive individual. Who, Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Yeah. I, she's usually I, I wouldn't put her on uh, 
Eric's internet list, which is wrong half the time. Right. Um, uh, Malin Ackerman, uh, Kerry Washington, Amelia oh, Clark, Ackerman, yeah. uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Kate Middleton, some gentlemen, Bradley Cooper, oh, Taylor Lautner, La- Robert Pattinson. Did uh, any uh, your your wife saw Star Is Born, right? Yes. What did she think? She liked it. Did she? The, the Kyle Bauer saw it. <laughs> That's right. Google him. Uh, <laughs> he saw it. Uh, he saw it too, and he liked it. Everybody likes it. Uh, yeah, I'm not really. That appeals to me like zero percent. Yeah, I don't. I, I have nothing against Lady Gaga. No, neither do I. It's I, just it. It seems that he's really trying to do a Chris Christopherson um, impression in the mm. trailers. I'm just like, no thanks. Yeah, leave it. Leave it to Chris. Yeah. Not my thing. Leave it to Whistler. Yeah. So this is kind of interesting. Um, there was an interview during, uh, I feel like it was 2012, Mark with Mark Hamill, saying that in 1983, George Lucas came up to him and asked him if he would play old Luke in an upcoming Star Wars movie. And he, Mark Hamill said that, it, like where he's mentoring new Jedis, and said, this sounds great. When are you going to film this? And he said, 2011 or something. So anyways, that's just kind of funny hmm. that that, that you know. sold Lucasfilm in 2015. Yeah. Or 20, uh, 2012, I think, actually. Yeah. It was, or 20, 2010. It was, it was right around I don't know, then. but yeah. like, because I remember Steve texting yeah. me. I was yeah. at work, and he was just like, Lucasfilm uh, is, uh, Disney bought Lucasfilm, and uh, episode seven starts, uh, will be released in 2015. I was like. Yeah. Wait a minute, man. I'm not sitting down. Hold on a second. Speaking of Star Wars, I am all caught up. We were subscribers to Marvel Unlimited on this podcast. And I'm all caught up on the Star Wars comics up to six months ago. Sure. That was an endeavor. There was a lot of them. There's some stuff that's filler, but there's some stuff that is absolutely just prime stuff. Like I like the that. Darth Vader series is fantastic. All the Darth Vader stuff is good. Yeah. And uh, I'm really enjoying, actually, that Thrawn series. Oh, okay. It's kind of political. I haven't really started that one. It's good. It's, huh. it, 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 it. I didn't like the Mace Windu series. No, that was, that was tough. Yeah. Um, Dr. Aphra, all that stuff was good, too, actually. That one's good, too. I, I enjoy the Star Wars series, just simply called mm-hmm. Star Wars. The, the five uh, miniseries that they do with, like, La- uh, Lando, Han Solo. Um, Vader Down was fantastic. Vader Down was great. Um, yeah, all that stuff. Pretty I, good hit rate. Cosign. Yeah. yeah, pretty yeah. good hit rate. Yeah, absolutely. The artwork is fantastic. The writing is great. Um, <clears throat> the characters that get kind of expanded out, like that investigator... Yes. Um, do you remember that? The one that's hunting. He, he, yeah. it's, it's, he's in between. He's working with Vader, and he, he puts two and two together, and Vader's working with Dr. Aphra. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then he basically was like, go ahead and kill me. As far as the ancillary characters come up with, yeah, he's really cool. Dr. Aphra's really cool. Or Her like, evil droids are cool. Evil oh, droids. yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. come up with really great original Triple characters. Triple zero. Yeah. Good, good stuff. During this block of time, we got Charlie Sheen... Claiming to be a winner and winning, winning uh, all the time. That annoying, that annoying phase, thing. Huh? Um, Old wild thing, Rick Vaughn. Kind of funny. Uh, if He's you, not dead. He's not dead yet. Nope. No. If you lived in Samoa at the end of 2011, you never experienced December 30 because they changed time zones and deleted an entire day off their calendar. Hmm. Anyways, that's just kind of interesting. Not a lot to talk about there. You know, there. We, uh, in, here in California, looks like uh, daylight savings might be a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, it has to jump through some... Few more hoops, but, right? Uh, yeah, it'd be fantastic. Whatever. 
Speaking of California, we'd be remiss as Californians not to mention it's raining today, fucking finally, because half the state's been on fire since uh, our last recording. Um, let's see. Did I talk about the Reading fire? My, my, uh, yeah, yeah, probably did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now we had grandparents' Paradise fire. Grandparents' house burned down. That was good. You know that that was something that happened. Yeah. And uh, that was like three months ago, and I think there was a fire in between. And then now there was the campfire, which that name, all right. I know why that had that. That's the name, sure. Camp Road. Yeah. But the town of Paradise completely wiped out. Yeah. Uh, we don't get very emotional on this show too often. But if we have any listeners in that area, we uh, our our hearts go out to you. So. So part of my job that I actually go up to the Chico area, and uh, I do actually have people that I know that live in Paradise that did lose their homes, and uh, it's been tough to watch them try to rebuild. Just to see the before and after picture is is. It's heart-wrenching, and, uh, you know, of course, also down in the Southern California, we have the Woolsey Hill fires. Yeah, yes. Um, but, yeah, that paradise uh, it was wiped out the face of the earth, and uh, you have 81 people at this the last count, you know, turned up, you know, not not with us anymore. So no, it's it's rough. That's, that's, that's California's on fire, yeah. and, and we have our leaders, or our leader, excuse me, uh, telling us that we just need to rake leaves, so right. it's uh, it's really hard. Blaming to hear the that Forest message. Service, yeah. It's, so yeah, as far as cosmically, you know, if you, if you could do a kindness for a stranger or something, you should. I, I think uh, every little bit helps in the world, and uh, also make sure you vote for people that believe in uh, science. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah. So this is kind of a crazy little news tidbit. Way back in 1911, scientists discovered that a species of penguins. Uh, in near the South Pole, uh, had inclinations to engage in uh, homosexual necrophilia. <laughs> hey man, constantly right. get in where you fit. Constantly, in. and it was back in 1911, and they had to they they would not they locked it up. Uh, National Geographic would not publish it until 2012. They they the world wasn't ready for that. Yeah, <laughs> that information. I mean, necrophilia. If uh, we have any necrophiliacs that <laughs> listen to our show, yeah. You know, seek help. You know, <laughs> uh, there's a better there's a better path. Uh, I think a group of people that we can blame a lot of the world's problems on is the lovely posters over at 4chan, um, and they did a couple things this year uh, during this block of time. They um, uh, Taylor Swift was holding a public vote where she would perform a free concert for whoever won the vote. 4chan got online and. Um, they they all voted for her to do Boston's Horace Mann School for the Deaf of Hard and Hard of Hearing, so disabled kids that would not be able to appreciate the music. So she just donated money instead of performing. I'm glad old Taylor saw through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's they also won online contests to rename a Mountain Dew flavor. Uh, Hitler did nothing wrong, and Diabetes. So as always, witty as ever. Old 4chan, Pepe oh, the Frog. Yeah. Old Edgelords. Yeah. Uh, last couple things in tech news. Uh, Google avoided a $2 billion in taxes by transferring money to Bermuda, um, which sucks, but it happens. And Apple products accounted for 14% of all theft in New York's New York City in 2012. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is what it is, man. Right? When you have expensive products, people are going to yeah. do it. 
That's right. Uh, and yeah, there was a terrible tsunami and earthquake in Japan, and like a lot of people. Big movies, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, On Stranger Tides. We subscribe to those movies on this podcast. On, no, yeah, two, or three, two out of three of us do. Uh, Transformers, <laughs> Dark of the Moon. On Stranger Tides was a bad one, though. Yeah, it was but really I, bad. I still my, sit up through so it. I, That's uh, the one with Ian McShane. I went over to my dad's house a couple weeks ago, just stopped by and talked for a little bit about nothing, and uh, they were watching the second one on uh, Dead Man's Chest yeah yes. they recorded them all yeah. off TBS because those are the kind of movies that constantly play on TBS absolutely and uh, <laughs> I was talking to my stepmom lovely lovely nice lady and she was all uh, so yeah you know uh, have you ever watched these movies I said yeah I, I, I love them uh, some of them are bad some of them are good but I'll watch them all yeah and she said yeah your dad and I came home one night and we were watching one we really liked it and we realized it was the third one and I was all Probably made about as much sense to use it did to people that are seeing Absolutely. it for the first time. Yeah. I know. I had to like sit down and take notes on that third one. I was like, okay, I see where the narrative is going. The last time I was at Disneyland, um, it was when uh, they were ramping up to the promotional of the last one, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and um, Johnny Depp did that whole stunt where he oh, appeared yes. in the attraction. The time it was so funny. And I walked up to drunkenly the, screamed at some kids. Yeah, I walked up to the attraction. They're like, "Oh, just to let you know, it's going to be a long wait because we're doing some filming inside." And then I come to find out that Johnny ah. Depp was in there. That's not so. a. By the way, like I said, I listened to all our episodes again recently. I think this is the, that's probably the third time we've talked about those goddamn yep. pirates movies. <laughs> Fast Five came out came out during this time. Big hit. That is one uh, franchise I have not. Uh, I've watched the first three, but I feel like it really takes on a new life after part does. five, yeah. right? I think five Fast, is... Fast and Furious. The one called Fast and Furious That's is, part I think, four. the first yeah. time they took themselves seriously to a certain degree. Probably not the first time we had this talk either. Um, Steve's a huge fan. I, I'm a I'm, fan. I'm a even part eight. They're spinning Jesus off, right? Somebody, yeah, they're Rock oh, and Jason yeah, Statham. That's awesome. I'll watch that. Yeah. Yeah, the Rock and Jason Statham. Yeah. Uh, that should just be the name of the movie. I enjoy. Yeah, I, I'm one of the many people though that when those movies took a turn for the more, they're heists and uh, really good action directors. I, I like them. Yeah. Mission Impossible: Ghost Protes. All right. That came out during that. That's highlighted the franchise. High watermark. Classic film. High water. Yeah. yeah. It's not my favorite. I think I I, I uh, oscillate between that one and Rogue Nation. If I could diverge into Tom Talk for a second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> apparently, uh, the writer of the Jack Reacher books, Lee Child. And I remember his name because it's just it's a very odd name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said, that, yeah, he gets it. Tom Cruise isn't seven foot seven like uh, Jack Reacher supposed to be. And in the next Jack Reacher movie, Tom Cruise won't be in it. I'm like, okay. Really? I don't think there's going to be a next Jack Reacher movie then because he's the only reason that those got made. He bankrolled them. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Speaking of uh, fellows named Lee, you guys want to throw a little something for our, our man, resting in peace? Oh, yes. Stan Lee. May you rest in peace. All right. Excelsior. He's touched us all. Like we were just talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp earlier. Uh, I, I don't need to spend time talking about Stanley. He's touched us. He changed everybody's life. Absolutely. There you go. Wonderful changed guy. storytelling and movies as we know it. Uh, Iron Man 3, The Avengers all came out during he this time. He was also a crusader for justice. You bet. That's important. Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Those terrible Hobbit movies started during this time. Oh, those fucking Hobbit movies. 
Talk about stretching a kid's, kid's book out into four films. Have you guys, I saw all three of them in the theater. Oh, three. Yeah. What, all, all three Hobbit movies? I saw I've, all three I, of them. I, I've only seen the first one. That's Here's it. what I was Once doing. Once you saw that little guy riding around the, the snail, I was good. I was, uh, that probably did it for me. That was, I was, uh, I was good. Tom Spe- Bombadil. Speaking of what were we doing in those years, I lived right near, I lived about five blocks away from the Regency and five blocks away from the Van Ness Movie Theater. And I loved just walking to that movie theater and seeing movies by myself. There's something to be said for being able to just walk to a theater and see a movie when you can. Uh, after you have children, you cannot do this anymore. That's true. So I anyhow, testified to that. I would see such things as the Hobbit movies because why not? What else do I got to do? You got it, man. <laughs> uh, streaming services started to make shows during this time, but the big, the big ratings numbers went still to terrible shows like NCIS, Big Bang Theory, Blacklist, Person of Interest. Is this when House of Cards... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere during this time. (laughs) (laughs) Music during this time is not looking much better. Katy Perry, Firework, LMFAO, Party Rock Anthem, and Sexy and I Know It. Fuck those guys. Yeah, terrible. That's (laughs) fucking terrible music. Man, I used to work with a guy that was a human personification of those fucking clowns. LMFAO? Yeah. Yeah. No longer with us, thank goodness. Maroon 5, with a song called Moves Like Jagger. You know, they do a cover of uh, Closer. Who not, does? Maroon 5 yeah, or LMFO? Uh, probably F-O. both, but in this case, Maroon 5. I did not know that. It's not good. Adele had a lot of hits during this time. Set Fire to the Rain, Skyfall. Skyfall's uh, uh, great. Great, great Bond song. One of the best. Uh, great Bond movie. And I am actually an Adele fan. She's fine. She's yeah. actually She's super talented. Talent. Yeah. And, uh, those are good yeah. songs. Whoever's writing those songs are usually good songs. Songs Hello's fantastic. Gets me every time. Bruno Mars, Locked Out of Heaven, Macklemore, Thrift Shop, Robin Thicke, Blurred Lines, Miley Cyrus, Wrecking Ball. Blurred Lines. Date rape anthem of Jeez, we're laughing. And here we are, a bunch of guys laughing about that. Well, uh, it's terrible. Yeah, but yeah it's if true. If anything's going to... Uh, yeah, yeah, terrible. Terrible. What, what he represents is not good. So his uh, dad would be ashamed. That's yeah. the music that was dropping. Is his dad alive? No, Alan no, did that. Alan, yeah. Alan, Alan passed Too away. Too bad. I like Alan Thick. Yeah. yeah, Not enough to know if he's dead or alive. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, that's what music sounded like in this block of three years, and uh, this is how Trent and his uh, wife and his collaborators um, combated it in their own little way. So we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back. We're gonna. Uh, raw dog our way through this How to Destroy Angels uh, catalog. It's almost 11 p.m., which is fine. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. We got nowhere to be. We get to sleep in. Actually, I got to go to Sonora, but still. Summer, 2010. Trent says to his wife, let's start a band. (laughs) This is How to Destroy Angels. Um, So, me and Steven at the break, we're talking about another podcast called Business Wars. Check it out. Business Wars is great. Um, So... uh, Also not the first time we've mentioned that either, I know. All right, so How to Destroy Angels EP was their first one. It was. So, it was a self-titled EP. Um, At this it, point, it was just Trent, Maraquin, and Atticus. And Atticus. Yeah. All right, so we're going to go through these track by track, and I'm going to warn everyone, 
that it is much more difficult to talk about songs that you're not incredibly passionate about that you listen to 5,000 times in your youth. Uh, this de- you definitely, like, I'd, to be able to discuss these and not just say, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was all right. No, I didn't like this song. It's going to be tough, but I'll try. Right. All right, so let's uh, start it off with uh, the first EP. Uh, the first track is The Space uh, In Between. So let's hear a little bit of that. So I would say, I, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, we've talked a little bit, especially the last few albums, like Trent and Atticus, or sometimes just Trent, has kind of kept himself in a certain palette for certain albums. And I feel like both of these albums, he's operating off a year zero type mm-hmm. palette as far as the sounds he's using and the, and, and, uh, the, the, some of the, even the same synth pads and, so, and stuff like that. Um, a little less schizophrenic, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I would go, and less guitar, but I would go, um, I, the the whole sound, and if this is our introduction to the sound, I kind of coined their sound um, uh, Glitztronica. It's, uh, it's a little bit trip-hop, it's a little bit electronica, and it's the glitchy sound of Year Zero um, that kind of drives it. This particular song, um, I actually like this. I think this is... This is this is up there as far as their songs go, um, in my opinion. It's got very slow, disintegrating music that kind of chugs and builds as it kind of goes on. Um, we get Mary Queen singing, um, and she's she's being more engaging than she is a lot on this, and that will be my common, uh, not complaint, but just criticism is she's, I don't think she's a bad singer. I think she is often un, unengaging, and um, I think this particular song, um, she's, uh, she's doing well um, as far as like matching the music pretty well. Uh, yeah, so. To, to one second, Mark. Just to your point, Eric, about the engagement level. Like, I, I think that Lana Del Rey is actually a good vocalist, but half the time she sounds like she's falling asleep and yes. she's not doing anything. That makes me feel like I should stay awake to hear it. Right. Quaalude singing. That's 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 yeah. kind of that's the same. It's actually it's like a style of right. music. It's right. a I don't know. There's no dynamics. Yeah. In the, in that's, the, it's that's, very that's, just one level, one tone, and just I'll definitely be calling out the songs where that changes tonight. Yeah. yeah. For the most part, that's that's the biggest criticism. Yeah. yeah, I would say. So it has a cool music video. When I first heard this song, it didn't necessarily grab me, but I just kind of hung in there a little bit because I could hear that sound palette from Nine Inch Nails. I definitely heard that signature Trent Reznor sound. Um, I remember watching the video for it, and uh, the video for it is Mary Queen and Trent um, basically in a hotel room. They're both dead. Um, she's singing. She's got blood dripping down her face. Trent uh, Reznor is lying face down. Um, Atticus Ross is sitting on a couch with another woman and uh, he's just kind of smoking a cigarette watching TV um, I don't really this song didn't grab me it was just one of those songs that's just kind of there because I think it doesn't have any sort of dynamics it pretty much stays at one position the whole song um, yeah, that's fair that's don't fair. you think and I would say if you want to if you want to hear this song but you want to hear it with dynamics listen to uh 
Alexandro Cortini's project Sonoyo does a remix of this called Between the Spaces. And that one actually has dynamics and it builds and it not so much the vocals, but the sounds he uses actually gives it quite a quite a way. Yeah, this, right the version of this song that this is is like I could probably program these drums. Right, it doesn't. It sound like it. Minimalist, simple, yeah, it, very minimalist. And I think a lot of minimalism does exist with uh, this particular uh, band and project. Um, there is one song in particular that I feel that uses minimalism uh, pretty well to to a good effect. It actually does um, hit me on an emotional level. Um, but uh, it's not on this EP, um, but it does come later on their full length. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe if that's your thing, maybe this is great. You know, um, I tend at this point in my life want uh, fuller sounding music. So yeah, definitely. It's, it's just how, that's just the speed I'm going at these days. It's sparse, it's minimal, and uh, with very little. Uh, rising action yeah yeah <laughs> there it is i think for those that like like trip-hop music um there's examples of trip-hop with great uh dynamics like portishead and then there's your run-of-the-mill ones that that um that kind of do stay on an even keel and i think this kind of falls more into that although the music may tend to be more interesting than some of that stuff because we have trent atticus involved um but yeah anyways that'll be a common thing i don't know if i lump this up in with trip-hop per se um I think, yeah, I don't. I, don't I think there are some songs that do, but I, I wouldn't call them a trip hop. Would you group. call that just because it's a, a female vocalist? I think that play that does play a, a, a bit, but it's some of the fair songs because with, the majority of that genre seems to be sure. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah I understand. Yeah, some of the songs with a more sampled uh, backing track, uh, which I'll get to later, do remind me of that. Uh, but I just meant fans of trip hop might not might not have the same um, the same criticism that we have about the about the uh, the lack of dynamics. I, I bet if Joe was on this episode, he would be able to tell us what this genre actually is. I'm sure. I think a fan of electronic music, primarily electronic music, could call out exactly whatever this is. It's Glitchtronica, I already told you. I mean, when uh, I was looking on Wikipedia, they, they labeled this band post-industrial, and I don't feel that it has anything to do with no, industrial nothing music. Nothing industrial about nothing this. Nothing industrial. Um, so let's go to the next track. Uh, the next one is called Parasite, so let's hear a little bit of Parasite. Oh, Discordia. Um, so that's Parasite, which is a... It's kind of just a... It's a song that races down one track and it leads into like a, a solid beat, but then there's a bunch of whispering and squelching that, that happens. There's a there's some good noise. There's some good buzzing buzzing synth that sounds like guitar or maybe is guitar. I don't know, but there's there's some good well, no, it, ambiguous it has, buzzing. It has some social network decay and whoosh guitar. Yeah, there's those yeah, good yes. layers of noise on there. It's not really a song. It's I mean not really. I mean by by, by typical you know verse chorus verse or anything of that nature. It's not really a right. You know. Yeah. It's more instrumental. There are very little lyrics. The lyrics that are there, though, I do kind of, um, I think it's interesting. You have Trent, and which I, I assume Mary Queen, are, you know, are recently married. 
but they're not they're they're this is like a love song in the sense of like of very cynical people looking at love and the parasitic nature of love and like that moment you realize that like yeah you are depending on somebody else and they're depending on you uh-huh. and it's not a great feeling and they they get that through in very little lyrics which i think is cool but you have to know the lyrics to get that they're not out in the forefront in the song but i think it's cool cuz they're quietly singing over right. it yeah definitely no that's actually a pretty good uh interpretation um i didn't really think of it about about it that way of more of a uh, like a, a a couple in that sense right there's um, there's one more song like a very codependent relationship yeah. there's yeah. one more song that piggybacks on this idea than in the in the full length that i'll get to but i when they do that and they and they talk about love but kind of like the un unintended side effects of love i think is a great avenue they go down every now and then that i that i think is a cool dynamic between the two of them so I guess that uh, when Nine Inch Nails toured um, during the uh, Nine Inch Nails and Queens of the Stone Age tour, um, they did cover this song uh, with Mary Queen and uh, also without Mary Queen during this 2017-2018 uh, touring cycle. So oh, they're, they're playing, still throwing they're playing, it out there. They're playing this now. That's what that's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. you guys can you know don't bring it out for San Francisco. <laughs> don't you dare. That's a bathroom break. Yeah, don't 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 waste one of my salvos in this song, please. <laughs> So we can go to the next one if you want. Let's do it. All right. So the next one is Fur Line. So let's take this. So the same band, the same band that recorded the great song "Not So Pretty Now" has returned, and they have a problem. They've enlisted someone who thinks they're the twelve rounds lady. <laughs> Speaking, uh, sing through a, a microphone or yeah, a, uh, a counterfeit money machine. Counterfeit yeah. money machine yeah. effect. Um, the old uh, what is that fucking megaphone? megaphone. Yeah. yeah, no, there, there, there's a, this song could be really groovy if it wanted to be. There's some uh, subtle strumming towards the end. Uh, good little funky guitar riffs that are nice. Inside this mess somewhere is a good song. Um, but they 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 tried to make they got all the ingredients and they ended up making a bad soup and uh, I'm not not a huge fan. I almost thought it was more like a faux carano uh, no, vocal see that. vocal thing. No, but but, but uh, during you know yeah during the verses uh, yeah I I the, you know this is on the same this lives in the same town as the yeah 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 or Elastica so right. yeah I, I this is actually probably my least favorite song by how to destroy angels or it's or it's down there i mean i'm a i'm a defender of uh all things yeah yeah yes um i i do think karen o is much more talented in her vocal delivery i think it's a very you don't odd... have to defend them to me i think they're i think they're a good band as and well. we'll talk about that in the next episode yeah um i do think that this song is uh ridiculous um i don't understand the vocal delivery in this musically it's very just um kind of repetitive in my mind um and the lyrics are nonsense uh it's it's not it's not my favorite (laughs) for for this podcast to call lyrics nonsense is something because we've we've dealt with some some words that are just stupid but uh i i i i feel for some of these songs it might have just better been better if there was no vocals and I'm, yeah. I'm not even trying to say the sound of the vocals is the problem. I'm just like, they're not saying anything. Yeah. Uh, and I, very rarely do I have a problem with the actual lyrics. But um, when we get to the next album, there, there is a 
stretching a theme as far as it will fucking go. <laughs> and and I'll talk about that. But um, let's, let's talk, stop talking about Furline. Let's get into what's next. B. B. So, B, uh, right? B, B, B. Uh, triple B, which stands for Big Black Boots. So not, let's listen to that one. Not big, you know what? Here's actually what I suggest. Uh, we're going to listen to it and talk about it. You shouldn't listen to it. Go back and listen to Big Black Bomb instead. That's a better song. Uh, by Josh Wink and Trent Reznor. But Big here, Black Bomb. Here's BBB. fine this is a this is a pretty midline song for them um in my opinion um uh, the music is is actually not very engaging but they do some cool stuff with the vocals in the song the lyrics kind of like retread over some themes from year zero the whole um blurring the line between the oppressor and the oppressed um until the oppressed finally stands up and you get to the the part where the the singers actually give a damn and they start singing about the, the my big black boots. Um, I do like that that part. Yeah. The yeah. big the big the delivery of big black boots works for me. Yeah, yeah. And there yeah, and um kind of like the the, the fantasy it's so silly though. It's like reminds me of some fucking hot topic shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they're not talking about they're not talking about wearing big black boots to a fucking Lux show. They're talking about. Yeah. They're talking about marching. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of which, Eric, I saw today that uh, Hot Topic is having a Black Friday sale. Yeah. And we can buy ghost shirts for ten dollars. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a good deal. Yeah. Enjoy that. Uh, so, anyways, uh, I think this is a mid-level song, um, and I do like where the vocals go. For once, the vocals are way more interesting than the music on this particular song. Um, I, I don't like the song. I think it's another silly song. Listen to the sound of my big black boots. <laughs> I don't really care for that. Boots are made for walking, baby. That's right, baby. Um, I, I So, okay, as I, I get this particular um, uh, EP, and I bought it on day one, um, I'm starting to, my stomach is starting to churn a little bit. Like, I don't know about this mm. one. You know, I'm like... Kind of having to force myself into liking it at this point, which is a terrible feeling when you're talking about your the top five favorite artists of all time. Absolutely, and it has yeah. nothing to do with the fact. I I almost am at this point like, is this a vanity project? You know, is this something that like, am I outgrowing my own hero at this point? And this is how like and, and, and also those fans felt when they listened to tonight. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and also, I, I am doing my best tonight to make sure that I convey that my issues with a lot of this is not just because all of a sudden a girl was part of the band. Not at all. Nothing that superficial. Jesus Christ. Not at I all. I think, though, you do need to call it out because there could be other versions of this podcast with other individuals where they would just rail on that. I want to make sure everybody knows that we're not doing that. No, I mean, musically, it's just not that interesting. Yeah. So if, like, Trent was really providing a lot of... For lack of, of a better term, input, I'm not saying that she's Yoko, all right? Oh, of course not. That's... Yeah, of course not, because there are tracks that are upcoming that it completely blows me away with yeah. her vocal performance. But right now, so they, not they, they, Especially this, this early EP, they need, really need to figure out how to work together the best. I and think Welcome Oblivion is far superior as a whole. Yeah, completely. Yeah. 
but I will say there is a highlight on this EP. It's got oh, we'll yes. get there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's go to the next song. All right, the next song, let's hear a little bit of the next track, which is called The Believers. So this song introduces what is a another element to this band, which is uh, like Philip Glass chimes on in xylophones. Is it, you're gonna get a lot of it. Yeah. Um, it's called African marimba. Yeah, tossed on top of some skittering beats, and uh, there's actually some fragile esque uh, out of tune string plucking in this track. Yeah. It's a uh, it's all right. That's all I really have to say about it. I think musically this might be. Up until this song, the best the best musical example of what this band can do. I think the music. I think the drums are really cool. There's some world. There's some like organic world drums going on with a distorted electronic beat, which I think is awesome. And the lyrics. I mean, it's all about war, but I think they're actually pretty solid. Pretty solid little lyrics in there. I, I, I think it's good. I uh, mean, to your to your point, I do think that this really fits that glitch uh, kind of feel to it. Yeah. The best. Right. Um, and uh, it was used in a film. It was a Bradley Cooper film, actually, Limitless. I've never seen it, where he takes a magic pill, and I think they even like made a show on it or something right. like that. Yeah. Steve, you were saying this is an era about superhero movies. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting that superhero movies are, that's all we have now, uh, for the most part. And they have no shame in being as superhero-y and spandex-y as possible at this day and age. But there was a phase where it seemed that studios wanted to make superhero movies, but they didn't want to just have them be super heroics. And they had to somehow like tie it into the real world somehow. And so you had this movie, you had push, you had jumper, you had chronicle, or basically it was all a variation of a theme of like a normal guy that gets a pill or gets, you know, of course the first one was unbreakable. Yeah. Six his finger in a light socket. Yeah. And, uh, but, th- but that was it. There was no costumes. There was no nothing. Right. Um, I wear a hoodie. Unbreakable is good. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the first one that did that. Did that. There's a sequel to Unbreakable coming out. Yeah. Glass. Which, which, yeah. will, which will hopefully be good. I never saw Split, which is apparently a bridge to that. Neither did I, and I heard it was good, actually. I, um, for some reason, storylines about multiple personalities just turned me off. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, uh, a, it's a cliche. It. Yeah. As we learned in adaptation with the three. Yep. Um, all right, next song. So the next song Bring it home, Mark. is going to be the, I believe, the highlight of the entire EP. It's called A Drowning. So let's hear a little bit of A Drowning.
that was a drowning. Um, for me, this is absolutely the highlight of the EP, and it makes it uh, absolutely worthwhile in terms of okay, maybe I can uh, get down with this project. You can like literally hear them warming up over the course of this e- over this EP, <laughs> right? Um, so it's uh, I think this was their first single off of the. Uh, of their career. I imagine it was edited. This song's almost seven minutes long. It is seven minutes long, but it's not, it wasn't on the radio. I think yeah, they true. just released it through, um, you know, at this point, internet was at the height of its powers. And I think a lot of musicians were embracing it at that point. Like if they were really going to, uh, you know, release their next music, it was going to be through the internet. So it didn't really matter how long it was, <clears throat> but I really feel her vocal delivery. Um, the lyrics on this are fantastic. Uh, parts yeah, of this. Oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah, no, no, no. Parts of this song kind of choked me up a little bit because of, I do feel the emotion that she's bringing out there, and I do feel like, you know, I hate to sound it's familiar territory, but this is probably the most Nine Inch Nails type of music that's in there, and having her sing on top of that was kind of a. Uh, I don't know. It was a welcome invitation. Yeah, and she's most engaging on this song out of this whole EP, as far as um, her vocal inflections. Lyrically, you're absolutely right, um, and it's it's very similar thematically to the song "Discipline," as far as just like feeling that need of someone to to help you stay afloat or help yeah. save you. There is a lot of parallels there, and it's almost like um, like like her perspective going there. So, anyways, it's yeah, it's a, it's a highlight. Yeah, any song that talks a lot about uh, needing to take a break before you get overwhelmed, I always appreciate that uh, that subject matter as well trodden as it can be. Sure, you know, I like that. Um, I I've always liked this song. I like. I think I said earlier tonight, this was really the only one that was in my rotation for like years. Yeah. Um, and it does have elements of Nine Snails I appreciate the uh, the 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 style of piano. That's on the that tone is very nine inch nailsian. Yep. Um and also this kind of starts there's a theme that Atticus and Trent Reznor start to have throughout some of their works, their soundtrack work, some of the How to Destroy Angels stuff, not as much in Nine Inch Nails, where they there's elements, even when there isn't words, that are somehow related to climate change. Mm-hmm. And this song has that vibe quite a bit to it, I think. So I 100% agree with you because there's uh, this song and another song coming up on their full length uh, that, uh, you know, for me, kind of jockey between the positions of I think this is their best song. Um, And uh, I I do agree with with you on that. There's also that soundtrack they made with Mogwai. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So you know their, their hearts into that politically, but, like, I mean, climate change is, like, the perfect, like, tangible example of of stuff you can speak about thematically and then actually witness oh yeah. yes yeah. we were yeah. talking yeah. about half of california burning yes. down tonight yeah. and yeah. being so happy that it fucking rained finally yeah well i mean because <laughs> a couple of the different um songs that kind of have that thematic uh well that theme um it's always revolving around water yeah you well, know that some of the yeah. some of the sound effects this man chooses to use sound for lack of a better term icy. Sure. So, yeah. All right, water elementals. Um, cool. So 
we have an EP to get to, but I well, guess there's a soundtrack. Not, you know, is there anything? Um, a couple of other things I just want to point out for this song that I like is the choice of uh, there's a weird muddled like depth charge synthesizer that reminds me of Gary Newman plotting along in the background. Sure, yeah, that I dig, awesome. and um, she uses the phrase uh, "look back in anger," which always makes me think of David Bowie. Uh, not the Oasis song. No. <laughs> uh, it has it has whoosh guitars towards the end of it. it whoosh does. guitars. It does. Uh, it's great. It's a good song. It's a really do good we, song. Do we rank these by album? What do you mean? What, how we usually rank them? By oh, sure. Oh, this EP? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, I would give it a three. Uh, three out of nine. I think three is fair. I mean, yeah. it's... Uh, I think nine. there's only maybe two songs that actually get my yeah. interest up um, but yeah. the Drowning that, is the only one that I actually go to there's flourishes of uh, this could have been better which you know yeah but I think I yeah. like three songs on this I do song. love the yeah. cover art I really like yeah. the cover of this album I do too I think it's great um, yeah. it's not Rob Sheridan it's done by another artist um, sorry and it's just it's a blood red sun in the background there's a moon there's a city in the distance there's a skull in the foreground and there's hills that's yeah. it it's yep. beautiful so the next uh, work that How to Destroy Angels did w- appeared on the uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo soundtrack, and that was that Brian Ferry cover that I, co- uh, that I talked about. So let's hear sure. a little bit of that one. It had to be the place for me Someone that I would die No way I could ever leave. Is your love strong enough? Like a rock in the sea. Uh, jumping back to the last track, I wanted to also point out that it does one of my favorite things I've mentioned before on the show, which Trent tends to do sometimes with closing songs where it ends with uh, you can. It sounds like a person finishes playing the piano, and then you can kind of like get the, the impression they're walking away. This song does that as well at the end. Uh, it ends with uh, kind of a humming piano that sounds like somebody closes the the top of the piano and walks off. Also, I like this song quite a bit. It uh, I wasn't expecting to. I don't remember ever hearing it when I first saw this movie. And I didn't. Mark had to point it out. I, I, I like to think I know music quite well. I had no idea it was a cover, um, by uh, Brian Ferry allegedly. The Anderson <laughs> and the Anderson household were big Brian Ferry fans. Um, of course you are. Roxy Music. <laughs> Roxy Music is there's very interesting band because they're kind of yacht rock, but Brian Bri- Eno was in Brian there. Eno. Yeah. Brought this like interesting synth work to what was essentially seventies like soft rock, yeah. And but Brian Ferry's vocal delivery, I I honestly think never sounds cheesy. Um, it's like kind of era less. Like he's he's a pretty cool vocalist and he's got he's got pretty decent lyrics. So when I you know their version of this song I think uh, was was cool. I think it was perfect. I I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Um, it's a it's a slow build, but it ends very Trent Reznor-y. It makes sense, though, because I actually, when I'm looking at my notes that I typed out, I mentioned how much I like the lyrics of this song, and it makes sense now that somebody else wrote them. Uh, <laughs> is, your, you know, is your love strong enough like a rock in the sea? Yeah. So I, I dig it. Right, right. You can't all be behemoth ly- lyrics. No. I mean, 
so I'll be honest. Um, I, I did think that uh, the slow buildup um, after listening through the, and maybe I'll change my tune when we go to the next episode when I actually sit down and really dive into the soundtrack and the score work and then see this as maybe a, uh, uh, a reprieve from all that. <laughs> it's Well, according to what I'm looking at right here, this comes off disc three. So This is the very uh, last track. This is the uh, very last track of the score. But, but what I mean is so that there's songs. three discs, of, three yes. discs <laughs> of, of Girl with the Dragon tattoo. Tracks. It is long. It's like Ghost in itself. Almost. I think Gone Girl was uh, that score was two track or two discs. Those boys need an editor. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I don't know. I don't really have strong <laughs> opinions on this one. But I remember when I first heard it, I was like, "Wow, she's really singing to the rooftops on this one." Um, but you know, and I was just saying how she wasn't very dynamic on that EP, but I just felt it was just too hard on the sleeve, and maybe I just wasn't ready for it. Hey, listen, well, yeah, listen, funny. it's seven, it's a seventy soft rock song. I mean, it is yeah. in a in a sense, it is kind of cheesy, but because because it's like pretty decent lyrics and Brian Ferry and the actually, yeah, Brian Ferry has an ear for melody like 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 no other. I mean, it's a it, it, it comes together. It's a little more respectable than it initially sounds like. It's funny about this. A few things. Uh, one, she does really go for the rafters, and it reminds me of a Disney song, which I think you could appreciate. Which one? I Any of them. Not, mm-hmm. uh, just in general, I, I could... I believe uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just the vocal with, with the With the fact... Yeah, the vocal performance plus the lyrics are pretty on heart in your sleeve. Sure. You know? Um, Maybe this, I... Yeah. This song, it, it is from a soundtrack. It does have some of the endless possibilities type, like, uh, synths floating around the background. Mm-hmm. There, 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 there's, there's definitely a sound that they... Nine Inch Nails sounds like something. How to Destroy Angels sounds like something. Their soundtrack work sounds like something. Of course, sure. there's all similar elements, but this sounds more like their soundtrack work Yeah, uh, to me. Um, towards the end, I love it. That breakdown's great. It has, like, a sparse, muted, whooshing guitar in the back that I dig. Uh, I, I, I also, is this the first time that Trent Reznor sings in a How to Destroy Angels song? Yeah. He, he sings on Big Black Boots. Yeah. Okay. He, he more whispers. Because of, like, yeah, and this one, too, and think. this one, were they looking at each other when he's, you know, is your love yeah, strong enough? Exactly. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's and, the wings moment. Like, I really do feel like. Well, like last night, yeah. I actually, I, I typed some of my notes last night and I asked, was this an argument over Bill's? I had one of those today with my wife. So as a, <laughs> I, I willed it into existence. <laughs> yeah. So. No, I, I, I would agree with that sentiment. Maybe that's why I felt like um, there was this band called Mates and, of And State. how uncomfortable is that for Atticus Ross? And you I was know? just like being the middleman <laughs> in that. Just like, are you guys working through some shit here? Can I like go outside? Here we go again. Yeah. I, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, this song... Um, I don't know. It it just seemed like there was this band called Mates of State. Uh, oh. right? There were a husband wife team that would sing at each other, and so right. like when you say that, I just like yeah, fuck that. Right. You know, it's great about Mates of State. <laughs> borrowed my sweater without asking. I did yeah. borrow your sweater without. I don't know. It's <laughs> when Mark and I lived together, we had these next door neighbors in the duplex that were huge Mates of State's fans. Yes, and they were uh, they were like a they were like a Christian punk rock couple. They were. And uh, I always felt there was something 
more sinister lurking beneath the relationship. Probably. They're I'm not, not together even, anymore. I'm not going to yeah. even get into what I mean by that because I don't know. Good for her. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That guy was a tool. <laughs> so uh, we can move on yeah. to the next EP, which was the Omen EP. So how we're going to do this, there was uh, six tracks on this. Tr- on this. Uh, what a marketing. <sighs> anyway. I know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, let's just four, break it. Four of the six tracks appeared on the full length. So we'll talk about those four when we talk about the full length. Yeah. So we're just going to talk about the what two. What were they thinking? I have no idea. And then on top of that, uh, there's versions that are on certain streaming services that are the bonus edition, where they also put the first EP just on the... That's right, you know. on the Welcome Oblivion. Yes, That's I know. A... So uh, we're going to skip ahead to uh, The Sleep of Reason Produces Monsters. So let's hear a little bit of that from the Omen EP. The song doesn't have much going on. It doesn't have much much vocalization. Um, it's kind of an instrumental. Uh, it's just kind of there, but it does continue with, uh, lack of a better term, icy sound effects. And it also towards the end has some tribal neurosis type drumming, which I always appreciate when that appears in my music. Yeah. Uh, That's I, about it for me. I would say the icy sound. I think you're onto something there. I think I, I initially said they were dealing with a year zero palette, and I think that's true to a certain extent. But they just the icy sound you're talking about. It's totally like a crystally, mm-hmm. like a, like a tinging sound of of crystals. You know, they like definitely they, have a brand. They of some, they some grab sort. those sounds from that palette, and they yeah. really focus on that. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about this. It's a lot of ambient loops. Um, the drums do get a little tribal and a little muddy towards the end. It's a pretty little um, instrumental track. Um, they, there is a little vocals where they say wake up, which kind of, um, as you'll see, is, serves as like a prequel to the full-length album. Did, you, um, did either of you guys listen to these on headphones? I did. Yeah, I predominantly one, listened to them. One thing this band does well that Nine Inch Nails does well on like such tracks as um, uh, The Wretched, actually. Um, is that on this song and some other songs, they make it so it sounds like it's zinging and bouncing around your head. Yeah, I see that. So yeah. That's uh, interesting. The only thing that this song reminded me of was um, uh, some of the score work from Atticus Ross, and it really just paints the picture that, um, you know, with Atticus and Trent really collaborating on the musical soundscapes, they're really coming up with their own defined sound. It really mm-hmm. starts to transition from just being the Trent Reznor show to now you can really feel that Atticus has quite the the voice in the musical aspect of it. And and I don't know, maybe Maraquine also was involved in the music, but this just is so reminiscent of the social network. It's uh, with with whispering vocals that it's it's pretty striking. I know for a fact, not this song, but other songs, they the Swarmatron comes back. The Swarmatron. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the the through line from How to Destroy Angels, all their albums, it starts off, like Eric mentioned, there were some elements of Year Zero. And by the time we get to the end of the full-length album, you could see that 
uh, hesitation marks definitely make sense as being the next record. Sure. And I think that, yeah, it's a, Atticus Ross inserts himself into the band and that's how they get there. Yep. All right, so let's go to the next track, which was uh, the speaking other... Speaking in Tongues. Speaking in Tongues. Let's hear a little bit of Speaking in Tongues. This is um, another like one that's sometimes great and sometimes frustrating. Well, um, I, I'll say this is the return of uh, Swamp Industrial. Right. Yeah, yeah. definitely get that yeah. feeling. Yeah. And there's a, like world drum sound loop that's going on. Um, it kind of has like some ghost sounds with some uh, Middle Eastern horn work happening. Um, but the yeah, the lyrics are all whispered, um, not engaging. Decent lyrics. The Reznor whispers. Half right. The time. Right. Decent lyrics. Uh, it seems like it's a, it's how information and like the internet has become like a force of nature in itself, but is also, you know, cause of our downfall, which is something that Trent Reznor talks about in interviews constantly, and uh, you know, it is totally worth analyzing. But um, they just whisper their way through it, so it's not super engaging. Um, Again, no- I wonder if they're looking at each other in the eyes when they whisper. <laughs> yeah, uh, too long. The song's too long. Uh, it, there's a very cool building of noise. I and mean, I just, I have to, I have to admit, Eric, hold on to your yeah. thought. No, I'm good. What kind of lunatic wants to work with their wife? I used to. That's why, <laughs> that's why yeah. I looked at you. That was, yeah. that was the joke. Yeah. That was and the honestly, joke. honestly, it was rough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like our relationship, uh, I feel was at its, uh, uh, most crisis moment when we were working with, for the same organization and so like it took on a whole nother level once it, we we did not work for the same you talk about your day you know because yeah. it turned into work it was just like an endless meeting work mm-hmm. meeting yeah. and it was just too much now like we can share about our days and uh, i hell even i uh i i've mentioned before that one of my coworkers lives on my block um and we carpooled this week and actually this morning i got it nice nice drive to work and also they started talking about work and I was just like, God damn it. Just give me another half hour before we that's talk about I'm work. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Sorry, Eric. No, we're good. Yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that song. All right. Moves us on to the full-length album. So let's go into the full-length album. Uh, we'll take a quick break and then uh, we'll come back with uh, Welcome Oblivion. <laughs> So that was the first track from Welcome Oblivion that was titled The Wake Up. And, uh, you know, I actually do appreciate the song as an intro for this record um, because I envision this as they're taking the stage. Their opinion or their their, uh, hyperpower. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I mean, there are... uh, 
you know, if uh, Rob Sheridan and neither one of us um, actually saw them live, and if you, dear listener, did see them live, I would love to hear a description of how they their shows actually were um, unveiled. But uh, I picture them taking the stage to this as like a whole bunch of glitch video was taking part um, and uh, it potentially being a uh, opening salvo in, in terms of getting the audience to, to wake up. Uh, what do you guys think of this track? I think it's a great opener. It's, it's, it's just doing the, the Trent thing where he opens with a short instrumental thing that kind of gets you pumped. And, and I think this, this serves a purpose for that. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Cogent, cogent analysis. <laughs> yeah. Um, so fantastic. with that, we can go into the next track. <laughs> Um, which is Keep It Together. So let's hear a little bit of Keep It Together. So this is like uh, some buzzing low bass, and it's kind of a glitch jam. Um, I think lyrically this ties into what I was talking about before as like one of their kind of cynical love songs. Um, I feel the skin that separates us start to fade. It's kind of that um, anxiety that comes from realizing you're losing yourself to somebody else, which inevitably happens in early stages of of love. And uh, um, I think that's what this song is all about. Um, It's kind of a thematic departure from where this album goes because... this album really is all about the, basically the, uh, the humans creating the end of the world and uh, really decompressing every step into the end and blowing them up into their own songs. <clears throat> but this is might be just some of the anxiety that comes from getting close to somebody, which uh, I think I think lyrically it's a it's a cool song. Um, yeah. Uh, lyrically, I would agree with you. Uh, musically, I don't feel it really does much. It's more atmospheric. Um, yeah, actually, I, I think that the way I classify this song is it has like sunken ship moaning and groaning. Sure. You know, that's, yeah. that's it. Um, the guitar work is very, uh, um, I don't know, it, it kind of has a little Western twang to it a little bit, um, but I can understand what Steve was saying about the kind of the underwater uh, submarine effect. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. This song doesn't really do much for me. It was on the Omen EP. Um, it's just kind of there. Yeah. This song actually has three remixes that showed up. So the way they that How to Destroy Angels did their remixes is they commissioned people uh, to do official remixes and put them out on twelve inch like promos uh, or seeds. Um, but the artists kept the official their official remixes on their like SoundCloud pages, which you can download still. Um, so three remixes. Uh, the absolute worst one is the Factory Floor remix. Factory Floor is a British band. Um, and it is this little disco techno boogie thing that's just 
I, I, I'm not a fan. It's, it's I'll put it in the show notes, but yeah, yeah Eric shared a little yeah, bit with it's me. Cartoon. It was it's cartoony. horrible. It's cartoony. The I other mean, re- it was like four in the floor kind yeah, of like. Yeah, yeah. and like, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, this was the era of Gangnam Style. So um, uh, now that being said, the other two remixes of this song add to was it. Was it really? Uh, uh, 2013, yeah. I think so. Yeah. You guys keep going. We'll yep. up. Yeah. Here's the important uh, facts that you guys come here for. <laughs> so, no, uh, Nose, Nose Edge Thing, um, who is uh, a.k.a. Jason, which is Nose Edge backwards, Jason Chung, uh, remixed this. And it's a really cool, it's simple, it's stripped down. Um, but I think this the version of this in like a minimalist way is... It definitely adds to it. It makes it more engaging. But hands down, uh, the Dave Satek from TV on the Radio remix of the song Mm -hmm. is adds noise. It adds ambience. And there's a cool buzzy guitar riff more right dynamics. when yeah right when Trent's vocals hit his buzzy guitar riff comes in it's way more dynamic i think it's a really cool remix and probably eclipses the song Breaking news. Did you see your friend Gavin McGinnis quit the, the, the Proud Boys? Did he really? Yeah. My guy? Because <laughs> he's not your guy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mark and I have joked about him before. Yeah. He's not. Mark does not subscribe to the Proud Good Boys. Good God, no. If you listen to another episode, we talk about preposterous they are. Yeah. I just read that, uh, yeah, the FBI started watching him, so he, he said... The guy from Vice? Yes. He was he, the co-founder of dis- Vice, he, but he, he's distanced himself from Shane he's still Smith, a piece though. of shit. He's, yeah. He's... he's, he's Shane, Shane Smith uh, has, yeah, the, it was, Vice was started by Gavin, Shane, and some guy, uh, another gentleman. They're lunatic, they're idiots. Anyhow. Uh, uh, Shane Smith is fine. Um, I, I have nothing wrong with Vice. Yeah, it's fine, but, uh, but yeah, that Gavin guy's a piece of shit. He's probably a douche, I'm sure, but uh, Gavin McGinnis is yes, a, a horrible person. But anyhow, yeah, he, he, uh. The, the thing he's most known for now, he, he left because the heat in the kitchen's probably getting too hot. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, to go back to uh, exclusively talking about Nine Inch Nails. And, uh, so, anyways, those remixes are all interesting in their own way, but that Dave Satek one, TV and the Radio, which we'll talk about, this is actually an interesting... Uh, there was a little uh, quid pro quo going on between uh, Trenton and, and Dave Satek during this era, which we'll talk about in the remix roundup. Nice. So let's go to the next track. The next track is And the Sky Began to Scream. So let's hear a little bit of that. Thank you. 
So that was, and this guy began to scream. Uh, so at the beginning of our research, uh, Steve usually jumps the, uh, the wagon train a little faster than me and Eric do. And well, so, we're, we're doing this method. So. so he got into How to Destroy Angels, and he, uh, I don't know where he started, but I'm guessing he was listening to this record, and he was like, oh, man. I've been wrong this whole time. How to Destroy Angels is fucking legit. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like, the stock dropped so fast. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you took those texts and just read them in a row, you'd be like, oh, this is the uh, a man's descent into boring madness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this song is not that boring. This is a pretty good song. Yeah. This is, uh, this is I think when I was thinking trip hop, I was thinking of this song. There's a, there's a, the bass is truly driving this song. Um, there's some... There's some like glitchy, almost EDM-y synth work going on. Um, lyrically, uh, when Mary Queen sings, uh, this is the part. Like once again, I think the. Th- I'm not saying there's a story to this album. I'm saying there's a theme to the album, and that is basically humans, basically destroying their their place on Earth, and then preparing for what comes next, like post-human, mm. p- post-human Earth. So. Yeah. Um, She's realizing that in those end times, God isn't coming. Prayers will not be answered. And then Trent's lyrics are all burn it all down and start over. And I think, I think it's cool. I think I, I these have gone over. Nine Inch Nails has done this, this these themes before, so it's like not new territory. Yeah. And I think they stick to the theme all the way through this album, and they really stretch it thin. And sometimes, it's almost like two sentences that they turn into an entire song that tie into the theme. But I think this is a good example of when it works. I think it's a cool song. I think you've thought about that way more than I have. As a matter of fact, all these lyrics, you look into them way more than I do in general. So thank you for giving me the cliff notes. Um, I think this song's all right. It's kind of a boom bit, boom bap yeah. type song. This song could be a Run the Jewels song if you put sure. LP and uh, Killer yeah. Mike on yeah, it. I could, I could see that. There's a, a couple other parts in this album where I felt that way, and I was like, yeah. I, I, totally. that's, that's awesome. Totally. You know? Yeah. Like um, I said, this is the most trip-hoppy one. Yeah, the, the, the pace of this song I really like. I, 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 I dig it. So let me ask you a question, and I don't really mean to sound misogynist or sexist in this, but the first lyric of the song... God, whenever someone says they don't mean and then... I know, but here's <laughs> the thing, I know, and, and this is the question I want to pose to you, because uh, because she's, uh, it's obviously a woman singer, and she's asking, worn the skin off both my knees, mm. um, do you have any sexual connotations? There is, but if you keep reading, it's about praying. It's about being on your knees and praying. I get it. Yeah, yeah. That's more. What do you the song's think that's about. intentional, though, hmm. from a female perspective, um, or do you think? Well, I that think that's I think that's just part of the f- my the, lizard no, brain. No, and, and, and who knows direction. who wrote these lyrics too? Like Trent yeah. could have. Oh no, I think they wrote them knowing it could yeah. be taken either way. Yeah, but I think yeah. the song is about realizing God's not coming. I mean, we all so know like what praying, think about. praying this. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. shit, man. It's, yeah, <laughs> red-blooded American. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, I mean, I mean, literally the song's about praying until you know nobody's coming. So she's like literally on her knees praying, wearing the skin off, nobody's coming. Like there's like, basically it's like preacher, <laughs> like realizing there, oh, we've been praying the whole time. God's not on the throne anymore. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. No, I was just kind of wondering. If only it was up. really like that Futurama video with Bender floating through space. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Dear Lord. <laughs> but if it was like, you know, a male singing uh, that, would there be that still that same sexual connotation? Well, which male? Good point. <laughs> but I'm just saying from a male perspective, yeah. Yeah. you know. 
You know? That's you true. You can answer that for yourself. No, I know. I'm just I'm, I'm, no, I'm it's posing fair. the I, question. I think that's why I'm it's – I think it's kind of why – and, I, and I, I won't lie. I thought the same thing when I listened to it, and I think it's a – Sure. I think it's a – just a fun way to do like – you know, it's just that – that whole pushing the envelope, like, is it about religion? Is it about sex? That kind of thing. The fact they're even listening to the lyrics that closely. So that was Welcome Oblivion, the song. And uh, this is also uh, where I get confused because I feel like they've already played this song three times. Um, mm-hmm. I feel that the repetition and the sameness uh, really starts to bleed in because I just don't feel that I can distinguish one from the other. Uh, what do you guys think? No, I, I'm right there with you. And um, first off, a positive, the title track of this album, I love the phrase Welcome Oblivion, where we, it's in one of my favorite Nine Inch Nail songs, which is, it's one of my favorite Nine Inch Nail songs, in uh, Less Than. Yeah, he, sure. He says Welcome Oblivion in it. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, off of uh, one of the EPs. More right? Violence, or Ad Violence. Uh, ad Violence, yeah. yeah. Good good title. The song, though, it's just some deep bass, and then some shouting, shouting a phrase and letting it echo. And this song really gave me the vibe of um, there was a phase in Sacramento and many other places that had like a burgeoning mid-level music scene where it would have been like a two-person band and it was somebody just plonking around on keyboards and then a vocalist like saying a phrase and and just letting it go through some filters and, and echo out and thinking you were changing the world. That's what this song reminds me of. It it uh, it, it belongs in a in a in a uh, midtown Sacramento dance club on a Tuesday night. You should have paid three dollars to see it live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't disagree that this this song get, is getting kind of samey with the music on the, some of the other songs. It doesn't stand out. Um, I I actually don't dislike her vocals on this. I feel like she's she's yelling more and getting kind of more invested. Uh, she's, she's, she's trying new things, which I think, you know, <laughs> pass or fail. She deserves credit for trying new things because she's, she gets too comfortable with, I think her, her range. Um, lyric wise, uh, lyric wise there, <laughs> if you go back one to sky began to scream, they're taking Trent's verse and decompressing it, and that's what this entire song is about, was Trent's verse in the last song. Um, and I like the chorus on this, though. I do like the chorus. I like, I like how it slides into Welcome Oblivion, and, mm, and they sing that. I think, it's a, I think it's catchy. It gets stuck in my head. That's a plus part of the song. I'll I, give you that. Yeah. I, 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 so they're getting into the doldrums in the song a little bit, but I do find it pleasing to my ears. Uh, it's not in the negative range. It's just in, they've fallen into neutral at this point. Yeah, th- this is the kind of track where, and I hate to say it, a lot of these tracks, I'm just like, oh, God, I want to hit skip, but I can't because I'm... Remembering, it's harder every day. 
So we usually listen to a clip of the songs to have a little mini discussion before we talk and get uh, re- get, get a refresher on what That's it sounds like. That's how the sausage is made. Yes. <laughs> on this one, though, we, we started and stopped it because we all agreed. We've listened to this song quite a bit. We all agree it's a great song. We can't wait to talk about it. This song's a highlight. It, it it's a, this and another one that's coming up are a highlight of the album for me. This yep. is a great song. Yep. It could be a thesis. I'm so sta- glad we agree. It could be a thesis statement for the band. It involves the climate change shit I was talking about earlier. Um, I think the the vocals on this song are great. There are some different like she manages to carry and then hit some good notes. Um, and I I think it's a great song. And Eric started talking about folk music, and I said I typed my notes. Uh, we like to say uh, swamp industrial in some songs. This is folk industrial. I could go for a whole album of this. I would love a whole album of this song. This is some like this is some side of trance music that, that that we haven't heard before. I mean, it's got some of the fret buzzing that do he does. You, do you see how excited we are? But he's this but he's like yeah. an oasis. Yeah, but he's like he's he's plucking, and it's like it's not that anno- oh god. I was going for a walk on the bike trail the other day, and these guys, probably tech guys, rode by on their bikes, and they had a boombox hanging off their bike, Bluetooth speaker, blasting bluegrass music, and it was the most annoying <laughs> shit. You couldn't even talk. It was so loud, and they're like, everybody wants to hear my spandexy fucking bluegrass music. Uh, uh, but, like, this is kind of like, I don't know, folk, there's not a lot of it for me, but I love what Trent's doing with folk on this song, and she sings great on this. She's, she's into it. Uh, hold on. If there was ever a genre of music you're not supposed to blast and annoy others with, it's folk music. That's <laughs> yeah. just bizarre to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, these guys, these guys had problems. I never forget those guys. Ugh. So, as we were preparing for this episode, um, I've always uh, really loved this song, and this was one of the songs I was actually concerned that you guys were gonna shit all over because no, this song's a, it's it a is. it's a glimpse of a greater band. I tell you, like there is something magical going on. It is it. Um, there's no drums. Uh, it is all just plucked instruments and with a little doing bit of the, It's like the classic, like doing the doing the percussion with the strumming. Totally, yeah. and I I fucking love this song. And um, her her uh, vocal and lyrical delivery like hits me on an emotional level. Yes, they it did does. A video for this, and she's staring out a window, and like there's a part where a tear falls down her face, and I fucking believe it. Yeah. Mm. You know, and it's it, yeah, know, and the ice takes over by the end of the video. Yeah, yeah it is cool. so good. There's a sound effect in the song I really like, which, for lack of any other term, is a uh, it's there in the background and it comes and goes, but it sounds like somebody you can take a wine glass, put water on your finger, and kind of play it. Yep, it's uh, it it it, it fits nicely. This well, was the video that was directed by John Hillcote, by the way. Who's that? Um, I think John Hillcote, friend of the show. Um, <laughs> He, he did a lot of Nick Cave stuff. Yeah, I know. He? he directed the proposition. I want to say he direct. I get okay. him. I get him. Sense. You know who I get happen. him? I get him. I get him mixed up with the guy that directed. Um, what's the what's the the not Bronson? What's the other one we like? Um, you're not thinking oh. of Sexy Beast. Or no, no, no. Okay. Oh, close, uh, close. Uh, <laughs> Eric Bana. Oh, uh, a Chopper. Chopper. Yeah. I get Hillcoat and the director him, of Chopper mixed up because between those two guys. They did the proposition, assassination of Jesse James, the road. He did the, uh, the video for um, "Bring It On," and I can remember uh, who, with uh, Nick Cave off of Nocturama. Yes, I can never remember who did what. 
Um, anyways, we love Nick Cave, and John Hillcoat directed a lot of stuff that Nick Cave either wrote or stuck a minute for a second. Yeah. Um, so that's John Hillcoat. Did he do any of those documentaries um, that Nick Cave did in his recent years? I like, should know uh, the answer to that question because I like both those documentaries quite a bit, but I don't. Uh, not the documentary that he did uh, before his son died. Two, there's, there's um, the one after. Yeah, there's two two hundred thousand days on Earth is the one. That's the one before, that was yeah. before his yes. son, one of his sons. Died. Unfortunately, it's a weird marker to use, but it's true. Yeah. And then he made the one that was him reacting to his his, his son dying. Yes. Um, uh, once more worthwhile. Feeling. Once more with feeling. Yes. Yeah. I, if we always talk about season two, Nick Cave was he's that, up there. That, that would be awesome great. Problem. That would be a fun one. Yeah. Um, Lyrically, uh, this song is looking at um, just that, really just accepting that one moment where the world's almost going to end, um, and you know, some people welcome it so that the world can finally rebuild. Um, there's a particular line. It's like a, it's like a, it's it's almost like a hope, like you know you're going to die, but there's a hope for what 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 rebuilding could mean. But I do love the line: "The hate in me is keeping me alive." <laughs> Is a, is a, is a, is a, sometimes the hate in me is keeping me alive is a great little a great line sometimes it keeps people alive just so they can run a country <laughs> yeah I guess there's many ways you can go with that it's true uh, there's a couple remixes for this track um, and both are good um, one is the Soft Moon uh, did a remix of this and it's it's darker um, there's more drones. Um, there's a really cool kick beat to it. Um, I don't know. It gives it a little more drive. It's not better than the original. The original is the best version of this, but it is it is definitely worth a listen. The next song is On the Wing. So this song musically, honestly, there's not a lot to say about it. It's one of those that's falling into the kind of doldrums musically. Um, it is. Uh, it's a song basically about humans turning into beasts when left to themselves. Um, which you know, once again, lyrics are great on this album. Thematically, you know, it fits into what they're trying to the point they're trying to make. Um, Nine Inch Nails has covered this song, uh, the song a few times. Yeah, um, with Mary Queen uh, yeah. during the uh, Queens of the Stone Age tour. Um, I mean, it's more of a subdued track as well. Uh, it does have a little bit more of a hook to it in melody than I feel that some of the glitchy stuff in the previous songs did. Yeah, but it does another thing, though, where she, where the delivery of the vocals is still monotone, but, I mean, this is... Uh, actually, this is a good time to mention this. They tried to bail out a lot of the uh, the sameness of the vocals with uh, various vocodering. Yeah, I see that. And, um, yeah, I see that. A person that pointed this out to me uh, was my wife. I was listening to this. We were driving somewhere, and she's all, ah! No matter what they do, these vocals just uh, this doesn't sound good. Was she trying to say that she was they were using too much of the auto-tune? Yes. Okay, so, yeah. like, okay. And um, so my wife mentioned she wasn't a fan of the vocals. 
I think, I think my he, wife has said the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. Now, Steve, just just uh, your wife is also probably more of a fan of folk and other stuff than than I am. Does she like Ice Age though? Was she okay with that song? I don't think we listened to it all the way through. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I after you made that comment, I specifically listened for vocoder obvious things. I didn't hear it. I just think I, I think she's a very she her her range could be so much better, but she limits herself. Oh, okay. Well, next song we're gonna talk about it. Um, oh no, the one after the next song. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, on the wing. It, it, yeah, it's all right. I do like there's like this this streaming rain effect in the background throughout the majority of the song. Um, on the wing, Paul McCartney wings. Yeah. That's right. Buffalo Wild Wings, B Dub. <laughs> They're a sponsor. Um, so I guess we don't really need to really belabor that song. No, what? 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 Paul McCartney related song should Nine Inch Nails cover? Uh, be Live you and can, Let Die. No, you, no, you can pick <laughs> Band anything. Band on the Run. No, no, no. Uh, it could be The Beatles or Paul McCartney. Well, I remember um, Ebony and Ivory. So Maynard and had that one project called The Passengers, or the yeah I think so, and they'd covered that song, um, no. Silly Little Love Songs. No, you're right. That wasn't The Passengers. No. That was U 2s thing. Yeah, no wait, but um, Tool covered. Was it The Replicants? Yes, but that was you Maynard. The, you're, you're mixing projects. Tool covered pretty uh, love songs, Silly Love Songs. Tool. No, it the wasn't Replicants with Tool. did did do it, okay. but it wasn't Maynard. It was um, Justin Chancellor. No fucking or the, way. We're, the, we got to like fact check ourselves. It was the here. first bass player from Tool, I swear. Okay. Or no, wait. It wasn't Justin Chancellor. I think it might have been a Paul member of Weezer. Anymore. How different could you be? A member of Weezer or a member of Tool? All right, we'll, we'll figure, figure it out in the next break. Jesus blows his fucking whistle. Yeah. Hey, hold Let's on. Get... No. Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, no, back in the day, the, the discussions that Mark and I would have had over Tool so B-sides. what Paul were... McCartney song? I don't know. Like, honestly... Uh, I don't she's know. so heavy. Like, well, I said it could be Beatles. You don't know the Beatles? Yeah, yeah sure. Oh, I know the Beatles. I know the Beatles. You, Sorry, you, 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 Jeffrey you, Anderson would, would kill me in my sleep if I said I didn't know the Beatles. You expose yourself. Uh, so I'm doing a run through on the Mark Rolling is not Stones. a listener of the Beatles. I'm. Um, uh, I've I've done both. Um, but now I'm doing a run through on all of the Rolling Stones discography, mm-hmm. and uh, I have to say I. Th- Think the Rolling Stones might be a the better band. I agree with you. Yeah, I, yep. I I'm a Guns and I just I made a fucking podcast about Chinese democracy. I'm a Guns and Roses fan, which means you're a Rolling Stones guy. Yeah, Guns and Roses basically thought they were Rolling Stones. I'm telling you, um, yeah, they had a run of Let records. It Bleed, brother. Let It Bleed is between a perfect album. Beggars Banquet, Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street. You cannot go. That's nope, like a four are, run album. That's those are all like, great, great yeah. albums, full of great. The, the yeah. song. Uh, Dead Flowers was a cover of a Steve Earle song. I didn't know that. Used and that's on Sticky Fingers. And it's used awesomely. The original version's in Big Lebowski. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the album, the answer obviously is uh, Rocky Raccoon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Eric was trying to pull the mic from me. Uh, the, we, did, we, we forgot to mention, Eric showed us tonight, right before we recorded, that friend of the show, Raymond Watts Pig, made a, he's putting out a Christmas EP. Huh. And... It's going to be Blue Christmas. Blue Christmas is going to be, uh, uh, what's the Wham song on there? 
Uh, it, it's gonna oh last Christmas uh, from George Michael yes and yeah. then uh, and then the last one was to get it back to the Beatles it's gonna be uh, uh, Merry Christmas a, the war is over but that was a John Lennon song don't yes that but was yeah, back yeah, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. hey Mark I don't know if you know this he was in the Beatles oh really <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was a solo act yeah so anyhow uh, where were we what are we doing oh uh, yeah <laughs> too late all gone too late all gone so let's hear the next track on too late all gone. It's a list song, Mark. <laughs> cool. Gotta love those list songs. Gotta love those yeah. list songs. It's actually a pretty cool song. Um, one thing I like is, yeah, the 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 verses are all you know, it's lists, um, and the the lyrics are basically talking about the cyclical nature, human destruction, and rebirth, which is what the whole album is about. Once again, I don't know, beating a dead horse or just sticking to a theme, whatever. But um, uh, one thing I like is during the verses, their voices glitch back and forth, almost like uh, how it's used in like the uh, Where Is Everybody remix, where mm-hmm. it starts with one of them and then glitches into the other person and back into like Maraqueen, glitches into Trent, back into Maraqueen. Yeah. And um, he is singing a lot more at this point in the album. Yeah, the choruses is what really holds the uh, whole room together for me on this song. Um, I mean, uh, the list part is is fun. It's interesting. It's different. Um, but the chorus is where it really has uh, a more of a melody shine through. What are they listing? Um, stuck on, static, it's a automatic. That, it's, it's oh, this that, isn't another domestic like grocery list. No, or nothing. pretty yeah. much. Turn off. <laughs> no, it's like things. <laughs> Tragic. That, it's things that humans do. Emotions, actions. It's it's the and thing. And then like that, you know, the chorus is the more we change. You know, like that is what really for me. It's all, uh, it's all the nose for the listening. theme. Mark's yeah, singing right there was the best singing I've heard all night. <laughs> so rude. So rude. Um, this song actually ends with some pretty cool Year Zero-esque synth noodling. Some like live synth improvisation. So when we talk about the overview of this record, I'm going to bring something back. But uh, yeah, go ahead. No, that's all I have to say. Okay. That's all I have to say. All right. So we'll go to the next track. Uh, oh, actually. Next... Uh, well, go hold ahead. On, you got hold something on. else? Go ahead. <laughs> <clears throat> on the vinyl version, between this song and the next song, comes an instrumental track called The Province of Fear. Yeah, that's not on the CD no, version. No, it's not. No. Um, and it's not really worth tracking down. The Province of Fear. It's a good name. Yeah, it it's is. a great name. It sounds like an Alan Moore co- comic. And it, yeah. and it sounds like what it... I mean, it's fine, but what it is is it's... it's, it's uh, <laughs> I wrote Mostly Ghostly, like the R.L. <laughs> Stein book, but it, it, uh, it, it sounds like a ghost song. There's sirens, emergency alarms going off like crazy as it... <laughs> As a beat slowly drives, I mean, it's clearly meant to stir up the urgency of what they're singing about, and that's and that's it. There's not there's not a lot to it, but that's the song. Yeah. All right. So the next track. Um, oh wait, uh, and sorry, one more. Sorry, last thing. <laughs> oh my God. Too late. All <laughs> gone. Very recently, at one of their Mexico shows, they played this as their tape intro as they came to the stage. Just, um, just saying. For Nine Inch Nails. Yes, Nine Inch Nails played that in one of their their Mexico City shows uh, huh. this last week. So, wow. sorry, just, okay. just saying that. Really trying to push this on us. All right. Um, We're trying to make Fetch happen. Yep, yep. All right, so let's hear the next track, which was How Long? Question mark. How long? 
This is actually, I think this is my favorite song on the record. Um, it's very, it, it's very on the nose. It's very on the top. Dare I say it's cheesy. It has a vocal effect in that though, that took me back to my youth. And, um, I don't know if it's going to pick up in the speakers here though, but, uh, every time I listen to this, Mark, this is what I think of. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Well, come on. Yes, it is. Oh, I am not surprised. Yeah. Totally. So what Steve is playing is from Momentary Lapse of Reason by Pink Floyd. All right, stop it. Yeah. It's that the, the vocal effect on it, it's a, some kind of vocoder effect. Yep. From Momentary Lapse of Reason, yep. which is a 1987 Pink Floyd album. Yes. Which is a good record. Um, it sounds like 1987. Like you I actually believe. like Momentary a little bit better than Division Bell. I think so, too. Yeah. And the way that that song goes into the song Sorrow, pretty fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, anyhow, that vocoder, I just it made me, it took me right back to that album. And I, I, I love it when you hear a song and you're like, oh, I like this a lot. And you're like, why do I like it so much? And you're able to pinpoint it like that. It amuses me. In addition to that, though, this song, it's kind of groovy. It makes you kind of want to move your shoulders back and forth. Um, I'm the how to... long the how long chorus of those it's just so on the nose and in your face but you know I, I agree I mean I think that this is the one that's really like really like because uh, at this point they're on Columbia Records which is a major label and uh, um, you know if they were going to try to do a single this would be the one that would be for the radio I don't know what radio station right. no rock radio would probably play yeah. it but they had a great video though this video has mm-hmm. like a like a tribal kid that the glowing yellow eyes like running around sees a old man and straight up kills the guy takes all of his gear goes back to the old guy's house and the old guy was taking care of like his wife or mother or somebody who's dying and now this kid has to take over that burden. It's a crazy video. It's beautiful. It's actually one of the coolest music videos I've seen in a while and I never saw it originally. So it's a cool song. Cool I, video. Yeah, I, I, uh, I responded to it pretty well because I do like a catchy song. I'm, you know, red-blooded American like... Uh, <laughs> um, but it is the most poppy song that I've ever heard that Trent, you know, has done. I think this is the poppiest well, song. It's pretty poppy. Yeah, I enjoy during the chorus, the second round of the chorus. Uh, she sings "How Long" to the rafters. Yep, and then she says, uh, she basically just "How long." Da, 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 da. There's like a secondary vocal melody that I really appreciate. Yep, and. Um, Towards the end of the track, too, the uh, the bass and the vocal kind of almost play off each other. It's uh, it's good. It's a good track. I again like Ice Age, and like um, well, I guess was that what's that song of the first EP that we like so much? Drowning. Drowning. Yeah. More of that would would have gone would have gone a lot further if they would have like gone more in that direction. I like the depth charge kind of synths that is going on yeah. in this song. Yeah. Um, that also stands totally. out. Um, uh, and their voices do sound great together in this they song. Do. They, they really do. They yeah, really complement each other fantastically. Yep. All right, so let's go into the next track, um, which is Strings and Attractors. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
strings and attractors. Um, to read directly from my notes, this track does a good job of zinging around the room, Richard D. James style. Yeah. FX twin. Yep. Chorus is super. Chorus Mark, is super. What do you think? So again, it it is one of those things that I absolutely love it when um, it comes in with these all these little strings holding us together, all these precious things can't make them last, because then you get Trent back into the mix a little bit, and it does um, instead of that herky jerky um, uh, kind of laptopy at a MacBook sound. Uh, Steve called it Richard D. James. I actually think it sounds more like Prefu seventy three who was kind of like the glitch hop uh, okay. premier producer at that time. I'll give you that, but whenever I hear things that bounce around the room on me audibly where I sound like it's 3D, that's what makes me think okay. of Exactly, Apex that uh, on the Window Looker EP, yeah. he had that Bocephius Yes, which we used to put in uh, when at Arden, when we all worked at the record store, I'd put that in sometimes at the end of the day to be like, get out of here. Yep. Um, yep. Chase out the. But the, during the chorus, there's a plotting, ba- not plotting, there's a driving bass line in this, which I really dig. Yeah. Um, it's good. Um, so the chorus is, again, um, I really do enjoy um, this. Th- I mean, I think this song is indicative of the record. There's frustrating moments and then there's cool moments. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's. Uh, it's not a slam dunk, but if you can push through some of the more irritating moments of the record, there are some oasises to be found. And I think the chorus is, is uh, you know, categorizing that or characterizing that. That's rather. fair. I, it's true. I, I, I made the I made the fart sound when we said the title, and then and then in our break we listened to the chorus, and I said, okay, this is a fantastic chorus. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, because yeah. uh, it brings it back yeah. together. Yeah. Um, but it's a frustrating song. I won't lie. Yeah, and it's a, the subject matter. The lyrics are about the pain of losing things we care about our, and our connections to others, um, and how it will eventually happen. Um, you know, at some point throughout life, and in, in this particular album, thematically, it's you know when everything's ending. But we can all you know we can all relate to that. And uh, anyways, it's uh, you know lyrically, it's fine. The delivery during the verses is rough, but the choruses are good. Yep. So, yeah. All right, so let's go to the next track, which is We Fade Away. The sequencing and the violence are all off. This song definitely sounds like they're doing soundtracks as well. Which makes sense. The uh, They have a guest artist on this on this song, uh, co-writing the lyrics, co-producing and making the music. We have Cortini, um, who is, you know, clearly one of Trent's live staples, um, it, part of, what, Bad Mod Wheel? Right, um, uh, mod wheel mood. <laughs> I keep saying it wrong every single fucking time. Sonoyo, who we've already talked about, um, and his lush synth work is all over the song, which makes it um, a pretty listen—not a terribly engaging listen, but a pretty listen. Uh, a lot of ambient pads going on. Um, the song itself is about just 
really, like I said, it's decompressing the whole concept of this album. And this one's focusing just on how humans are just a passing blip uh, in the in the timeline of the universe. Um, what One thing that's interesting um, is that the lyric, I can't seem to tell if I'm dreaming anymore, um, was used on Fields on Fire. Uh, that was on not the actual events? Right, okay. right. Yeah, reused, yeah. reused that, um, that particular lyric on that song. Um, so, uh, yeah, once again, uh, bleeding together uh, prophecies of the future through dreams or nightmares with reality. Um, anyways, it's, like I said, not a terribly engaging song, but it is very pretty. Yeah, I, I really, um, as we go in towards the really the the back half or the back third of the record, um, really I have a difficult time uh, distinguishing one track from the other. Um, you know, I, I listened to this probably about a solid month ago, and, you know, I've probably listened to this whole album probably about five, six times in my lifetime, and... It's not one that I ever reach for because I get bored with it. And this is the round of the time where I just, you know, there's nothing to be said about electronic music because I do like electronic music, but I just find this very uninteresting electronic music, not very dynamic, and it doesn't really go anywhere. It's kind of weird that they, they balanced it so top-heavy with their singing songs, and then the last third really turns into an instrumental yeah. like I mean even if there is a little lyrics here and there it's not lyric forward yeah. and it's kind of interesting that like they really the last third of the album is essentially instrumental music yeah so, yeah. yeah yeah so alright so with that we'll go into the next track which is recursive self-improvement so let's hear a little bit of that This song definitely sounds like they're doing soundtrack work somewhere else. <laughs> Did you say that already? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. They're they're they they had some uh, some they pulled out some stuff from the cutting room floor and slapped it on the back half of this album. Um, it's fine. It's cool, like droned out instrumental. Um, there's some whispering going on. Um, I feel like some of the sounds I was talking about on Province of Fear come back up and hear some of the siren sounds going on. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's fine. I mean, it's just it seems like laptop music. I mean, like I again, I have nothing wrong with uh, you know putting that in the background and and uh, you know cleaning the house or. But that's not what you know. Yeah, you don't. But that's not why we record a podcast dissecting every song by a person. It gets really tough to discuss background noise. <clears throat> right. Right. Exactly. It's not a, you know. I, unfortunately, though, Mark, I hate to break it to you. Trent Reznor was not making music just so we could make a podcast. I know. That's, I mean, he was making upsetting. art. <laughs> he was making art, and maybe we are not highbrow enough in order to appreciate some of this. Um, but I have to say, just consuming music from all different types of genres, it's not bad music by any means, but it's not, for me, com- really compelling music. You know, it's, it's song's not terribly thoughtful. Um, yeah, that's fair. Uh, another after this track on the vinyl comes a song called Unintended Consequences 
I mean, that sounds like something that you would find off the social network soundtrack. The title yeah. sounds like it. It's actually a really cool song. Actually, I could actually replace Recursive Self-Improvement with this. It's It's got a cool synth guitar over a driving beat. Um, it's got a lot of atmosphere, and it, I think it's actually better than most of the instrumentals on this album. So they should have mm. swapped it out, in my opinion. It's kind of cool. So uh, check that one out if you can find it. I'll have to seek it out. If not, yeah. I'll just put it on the show notes, yeah. um, if anything, so it'll be in the video yeah. links. Um, so then it goes into just a little bit of that. Again, this sounds like they're doing soundtrack music, but also, I'll give this song this much. I do appreciate that it sounds like somebody's having trouble uh, making a phone, an outgoing phone call on a landline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it's got a little bit more of a groove to it. Um, a, it runs about four and a half minutes, um, and it's just you know, do you soundscape remember, work. Mark, do you remember on? Uh, because I just listened to it, and it's the episode you put out yesterday, where you said on uh, the slip that instrumental drones... Corona, Corona Radiata. Corona Radiata. You're like, yeah, yeah that's great, but seven minutes? It's too long. That's how I feel about a lot of the, the, the yeah. second half of this album. Exactly. Because um, I do feel like this could have been all in another EP. There's like there's like two good instrumental songs on this album, mm-hmm. and that could have been it. And they could have took the rest out. Right. This does have some cool buzzing synth... Um, and when they finally do, the lyrics kick in, the drums kick in at the same time. And the lyrics are so on the nose, and it's uh, the beginning is the end, and, and it, it keeps, keeps coming, coming back over. again. And it is very catchy when it comes on the song. And it's, it's on brand, you know, it, and it keeps on coming is something from, you know, sure. Dice yeah. Nails. Yeah. And the, it, it is the thesis statement of this record, but they've also kind of kicked that dead horse many times so far. But is it the thesis statement of this band where it all just sounds the same and goes over and over again? Probably. Um, and you got to wonder, did they realize that, and we all agreed that this is better than the uh, the first EP overall. Uh, yeah, overall. But they yeah. might have realized, like, oh, man, the second half is just grab the first EP and stitch it on there so people get their money's worth. Because there's that special version with the, uh, the original EP on it. That's and right. I wonder if they were just like, eh. Just combine them, yep. you know, yep. because this is just, just kind of diving into no man's land. Yep. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I mean, uh, I it's this came out in 2013. We're now sitting in 2018. So, I mean, if there is going to be another How to Destroy Angels project, which I kind of highly doubt, um, I think that uh, with Maraquine almost participating in some elements of Nine Inch Nails yeah. in this day and age. I don't she was in that uh, Twin Peaks. That's what I'm live thinking on of. Twin Peaks. That's yeah. exactly yeah. what I'm thinking of. And yeah. so I don't think that they really need to go back to this well. Um, Just make it one big happy family. Yeah, I mean, now that Atticus... Pick is the best songs from, from How to Destroy Angels and fold them into the Nine Inch Nails set. And, and you've it, got, yeah, you got yourself a S2. Because I would absolutely love to see um, Ice Age played live. Yeah. Um, it'd be a different element, and I'm sure that they would probably, you know, pimp it up a little bit. Live. How to Destroy Nine Inches. 
There you go. How to? How do you do? That's that? not a. That's a perfect farewell tour. That's a. It's also a, don't Google that. You're going to find some videos. <laughs> or in Eric's case, how to destroy three inches. Here we go. Hey, <laughs> he got right. me. He got me. All right. There's one more song on this album, right? So let's close it out. Unfortunately, with uh, let's hear a little hallowed bit of ground. Hallowed ground. This track, all I have to say about it is two things. It does remind me if uh, Ripe with Decay was not organic and even more meandering, if that's possible. And it also is another track where uh, I do believe that it ends. Does it does it end with the uh, a piano plinking? Yeah, it was in, so. some vo- in some yeah. pretty yeah. Wo- another vocals. another piano plinking, and then that's the end of it. Yeah. Grand piano plinking. This is when I thought it starts stronger than it ends. It starts with actually some drive to it, and it ends with kind of an ethereal synth and a pretty voice. I think thematically they're going for the rebirth there. I mean, the whole thing is about man killing themselves off and then rebirth happening, and I think that's what they were going for in this song. Um, still, though, how many times did they do that on this album? There, there, there was some editing that needed to happen on the second half of this. Unfortunately, it takes away. I mean, it might have been a pretty instrumental, but we've heard it many times in the second half of this album. Pretty so. instrumental machine. Yep. I uh, don't really have much to say on this one, but uh, it absolutely lends itself to uh, all the other soundtrack work. At this point, they had released uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Um, they hadn't yet um, released Gone Girl, but um, there certainly is an element that's working between uh, the musical compositions of Atticus and Trent, so... Um, that was the record. Um, so let's just go ahead and give our overview. Um, overall, I personally think this, uh, this album is not a misstep. I think that it was something that Trent wanted to get out of his system to be a more collaborative and really work with more of a democratic atmosphere with Atticus and a uh, non-score-like uh, work. And bringing Maraquine into the equation um, seemed to make sense because he wanted to you know, have a female presence, um, be front and center. Um, and then Rob Sheridan, um, it was more in the live element, but overall, you know, my criticism on year zero with it sounded way too laptopy. Um, you know, this was all done in a full studio. They were experimenting with, but it really did sound like it was mostly done on a laptop. Um, I did like the organic sounds of, uh, Ice Age, um, because it just is so different. Um, and her vocal performance is fantastic. I love the the lyrics in that song. How Long is a very catchy pop song. Um, and But for the most part, this album doesn't really hang together. Um, I th- if I was to rate it out of nine inch nails, or out of nine, I would still only give it a three or a four, um, because I'm only going back to maybe two or three tracks. I'd give it a four. 
And that's because, like we've said, another the high highs are great, but there's not many high highs. And also, we forgot to rate the one before it, which I would give a one. What the omen? <laughs> the EP? Yes, yeah. That's there's barely, a, that's a marketing job. I, I, that's like a point seven five. Yeah, it's it's unnecessary. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I do. I did like this album. It it totally just wanders off into the distance in the second half, but the the highlight tracks are great. And um, yeah, yeah, the, like. Overall, this album, like much of this project, is just uh, maybe if they would have spent more time on it or edited it down to like the the highlights, we'd appreciate it more. Um, I do think that you had to go th- you had to go through How to Destroy Angels to get to Nine Inch Nails again somehow. Yeah, I would so, I would agree with that. I'm, I'm, glad, it- I'm glad that there's no Nine Inch Nails records that are. I'm glad they, they I'm actually glad they got this out of their system elsewhere, so it's not in my nine nail shelf. You know. I mean it's it's definitely a transition. I, and it's not to say I needed nine inch nails with a uh with a female vocalist. I I I expected something different, but at the same time I expected something still with the same dynamics that nine inch right. nails brings to the <clears throat> table. And I felt this was just more flat. Yep. I would give it a four point five out of nine. Um all of it I find listenable and um, pleasing, um, but only, yeah, like only about a third of this album do I find engaging, and like three, maybe four songs will end up on my like big Nine Inch Nails playlist that I've been building since we started this podcast. So anyways, yeah, that's, that's, that's my two cents on that one. All right. So, so we got a couple. Um, so let's do a quick run through of some other projects. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So we talked about a lot of the remixes. There's a couple more remix roundups and a couple more rarities to talk about. Um, so he did some messed around with uh, Queens of Stone Age quite a bit during this, this period. Yes. Um, and um, let's take a listen to that. So let's take a listen to uh, Trent's uh, first um, con- contribution to the Like Clockwork record. Um, it was, uh, what's the title of it? Calypsia? Calypsia. Yeah. Uh, Calypsia was the first. So let's go ahead and take a listen to that. And I- Calypsia and uh, Queens of the Stone Age. I am a huge, this is Steve. I, I don't think I ever announced myself. I don't know why I did that, but I'm a big fan. Many people are big fans. Um, in their later half of their discography, they are getting interesting and trying to be more varied, I guess. Um, this track, you spend half of it sounding like you're floating down a river uh, drinking a, uh, a tropical drink. But then the chorus kicks in, and it's just uh, it's one of those classic Queens of the Stone Age. 
grabs you by the the throat and just rocks with you choruses. Yeah. Um, you're a fan of the song, Mark? I am a fan of this song. It, uh, you know, I had to double-check my notes because when this record came out, there was no really liner notes that indicated um, what artists were on what tracks. Mm-hmm. I just remember reading about, like, Elton John's on this track and Trent Reznor's on that track or they're contributing on this and Dave Grohl is playing drums, but I didn't know if he was doing the whole record or if it was just half the record. Um, it is very dynamic in the sense that... Um, it, it feels like two songs built into one. Yes, it does. Um, and uh, I have to listen really hard with headphones in order to pick out where Trent is actually contributing. Um, he's uh, credited as co-lead vocals in the kick and snare on mm. this record, on mm. this song. Um, and yeah, you really, because Josh's voice and Trent's voice vocal range really kind of match each other. Um, but I think he's on the choruses, is what I understand. Uh, yeah, you know, and the way I don't. Some other albums, I know they recorded it in the desert, hence the desert sessions. And I, I'd imagine there's a looseness to it. So that probably, I don't know how mic'd he is or whatever. Yeah. He was supposed to produce this record at one time for Reznor, mm-hmm. which would have been cool. It's a good album. Did we talk about um, his contributions to an unreleased uh, track called, uh, it was Era of Vulgaris. It was supposed to be on the album Era of Vulgaris. Trent Reznor was on that track, but I don't think it ever saw the light of day. No, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Well, it was on that. I, it was the record that was released before this, uh, Like Clockwork. Um, Era of Vulgaris I, is my least favorite. Yeah, it doesn't really stick with me. But um, I dig this one. Like Clockwork is actually one of my favorites. I think it's right after um, Songs for the Deaf. We're going to talk about one more song off it, but while we're talking about how good it is, that we'll give it... Eric, you get a, you get a second, but there's a track on this record called uh, I Sat on the Ocean, which just has a fucking guitar riff of all guitar riffs that I love. Is that the how the... the I love the album closer on this Like Clockwork. Is the album closer the song about being a vampire? No. Fuck uh, Eric, go ahead and talk. Hey, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big Queens fan. Um, I I don't dislike them, but as somebody who just finished season two of The Good Place, I'll say they basic. Uh, not even true. That's that's outlandish. They basic. No, no. Listen, not. listen. They're. You don't understand the English language. There's nothing basic about Queens of the Stone. They're 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 a very fine rock band. They're clean. Uh, they've got some good riffs. There's nothing offensive about them. I wouldn't. There's nothing offensive about them. I would say that that anybody. I would be baffled clean. why they would make anybody's top ten list because they just don't do anything that stands out. That's not they're just true. They, they're just they're just. There's a song. So the the closing track on this is actually the self-titled like Clockwork. Um, it comes around, you know, and like it comes in with this like Dave Gilmore type. Um, uh, I, on the next break, I'm going to show them and it'll jog their memory. But Anyways, I do like this song, song quite a bit. I think this song's this song's pretty. I, I can tell Trent's uh, Trent's uh, uh, collaboration in the song and uh, definitely makes me appreciate them more. Listen, I they, I don't dislike them. I understand that. I just I, they just they just fall in the the the, the basic boring category. But I I dis I disagree with that because I feel like that's the opinion of someone that hasn't listened to the records. 
Um, I think I... I know that it, assumption after listening to a record. And which it, one? It, uh, if you listen to Rated uh, R. If you listen to Rated, Rated R. R. Yeah. Songs from the Deaf is the by Deaf, far those, so good. Yeah. Rated, Rated R has... Dimple records. Rated so. R has a ton of different genres on it. Their first album is a really good straight-ahead rock album, but I wouldn't say anything basic about it. Yeah. Songs for the Deaf has another... like We always use the word dynamic on this show. They, they cross through a lot of different genres, and you can tell... They have an ear for ZZ Top, but also at the same time yep. R&B, yep. and at the same time punk rock. I'm sorry. I just I completely disagree with your opinion. I think you haven't listened to enough of it. I'm not telling you to go listen to it, but if you're going to cast aspersions like that, at least know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> um, that's it. Well, I think they're I... Not, they are not the Eagles of Death Metal, which is what you're trying to make them out exactly. to be. Exactly. They're I associated I, with them, but they are not I cast band. those aspersions yeah. based on hearing the first two albums. And uh, not 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 just not doing what they well the what first I needed two albums to do. it was uh, as they were as Josh was coming out of uh, Caius uh, and he was trying to make a name for himself. That first self titled Queens of the Stone Age record is definitely more in that stoner rock um, uh, genre. Yeah, but, but then that, Rated the R album, jumps out of that. Though. Rated R has that goddamn track where it talks about like being on an airplane. And it has bongo drums. Yeah, it's and great. And it makes you feel like you got in a plane and you like went on vacation. I it love is. that song. There's, uh, there's, there's a, stuff so much do. going on in that yes. song. Eric, I'm, I'm, I'm Songs sorry. Songs for the Death. No, I, it's, uh, it's going to be our one crossroads where we don't get along, buddy. I mean, uh, well, I just... you got to like him. I'm just saying I'm that just, had your reason. If you were to say you didn't like him because Josh Homme's a prick, I'd say, yep. I'd say that yes. does not help their case <laughs> for me. That does not bring me clamoring back to listen to the gaps that I have. And, uh, and also, Eric, still, he's still pissed off that he stole Brody from the guy from Rancy. Um, <laughs> Tim Armstrong. Tim fair. deserves the name. Um, yeah. But I will say that um, there is, uh, and I've heard that criticism before, and I, and I just am puzzled by it because I do think that there are more they have more to offer rock and roll than a lot of these bands coming out. And, um, I don't know. Like, I think Josh is absolutely got, I think he's extremely talented. Uh, yes, he absolutely can be an asshole and a douchebag. We've brought that up in this podcast before, (laughs) you know, but at the same time he admits his mistakes and he, he absolutely, uh, atones for him. And, um, yeah, his political leanings are not my favorite. He definitely leans a little bit more to the conservative libertarian side. Um, but I think all in all, I think that he contributes a lot to the whole rock and roll landscape. Well, we got to talk about him for two more songs, so we might as well get going. All right, so yeah, let's hear the <laughs> next track, which Trent also appeared on, which was Fairweather Friends. Well, I turned around and found that you'd gone before the first train could fall. It seems every single time I was bleeding, broken promises that never came true.
So this song has Elton John on it, right? It does have Elton John, yeah. You know, uh, did I tell you guys that I recently... I've always liked Elton John. Most of us have. Yeah. But I recently... I've always heard the song title, but I just stumbled upon the song Funeral for a Friend. It's a great song off Yellow Brick Road. I can't believe how good of a song that is. Oh, my God. Elton John's on this song. This is a good song. Um, I really like the... the uh, there's the... One day when we go far away, and there's fluttering pianos, and it builds really well. It builds really well. I I, I got to say, I made the comment of like this is like a shot of cocaine. When I was going through all, I went through all of How to Destroy Angels last night, and then I ended with these Queens of Stone Age songs, and it was like I did drugs just because I was like, oh my god, melodies and songcraft. It was a, it was a nice change, but that's also because my tastes lean more towards. The six string. Sure, yeah. So there you go. Doesn't mean doesn't mean everything's bad. But I wouldn't say anybody's basic. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything to say about this song, Eric? Yeah. It's fine. I yeah, mean, I, can you pick out where I Trent listen, is let me, put it, let me put it this way. I listened to Cal- Calypso uh, yeah. like seven times, and I listened to this once, twice. Okay, yeah. okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I can't pick out where Trent is contributing to this song, but I can pick out almost a little bit where Elton John is at. Um, and it's like a good little little getting together, sing-along song. Maybe that's our next Elton John podcast. <laughs> do you... Uh, so, Elton John versus Billy Joel, where do you land? <laughs> it's a hard one, right? Well, it is. Only because Elton John... Elton John overall is better. But Billy Joel's got some hits I can't deny. Absolutely. You know, it's tough. Yeah. Have they ever had a piano off? They had to have. They had, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I think they did a uh, Don't Let the Sun Come Down on Me. I think they, because they toured together, and mm. I think that they did a dual piano. Was it like uh, Daffy and Donald and <laughs> Roger much, Rabbit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the other pianos were like set up like where this table is like two different pianos facing each other, but it was like one ma- major piano. Um, uh, Uptown Girls, it's hard to top that song. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. So, uh, so this last little piece um, that brings a little bit of Queens of the Stone Mantra. Age into Mantra. Uh, Trent Reznor's and uh, Dave Grohl. So Dave Grohl had uh, a great idea to do a documentary about Sound City, and so he gets a, uh, all, of, and it's a fantastic documentary. What sound? Uh, what Sound City, Mark? Sound City is a recording studio, or was a recording studio down in the LA area. Um, all the great classic records were recorded there. Uh, Nirvana's Nevermind was recorded there. Rage Against the Machine's first record was recorded there. I think Rumors by Fleetwood Mac was recorded there. Tom Petty did a whole bunch of records there. Um, but they had this old analog soundboard, and uh, Dave Grohl bought it. He didn't record any of this stuff at Sound City, but he took one of those original soundboards that was at Sound City recorded the soundtrack to the documentary my uh we're gonna listen to a clip in a second this song is so good that i for some reason i thought my mom might like it and i sent it to her and she was just very she's like oh my god this song's great yeah it's a good song do you guys have you guys heard the soundtrack like the stevie nicks the whole thing yes Corey taylor is on there slipknot Slipknot, who put out a new new song recently it's a good song Alright, let's let's uh, break it a little 
so that was Mantra. Um, have you guys ever heard... Did you ever listen to... I know that, Eric, you probably didn't, um, but... Uh, it's No, uh, them, cro- <laughs> them Crooked Ain't uh, Vultures. Uh, that's oh, yeah. not your, in your wheelhouse whatsoever. It's got Dave Grohl, uh, John Paul Jones from uh, Led Zeppelin. Who Eric Josh. probably thinks is basic, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> There's some daggers being thrown. <laughs> um, but did you ever listen to that record? I did listen to it maybe once. So um, if they ever do another super group, I would love for these oh, three yeah. to do something together full length because this song is a home run. No, I, it is a home run. This is a nine out of nine sit nails if you had one song. Yep. Um, I've listened to it, I don't know for hundreds of times, but we're close. Yeah. Um, and everything about it works for me. I, I feel that uh, the, the, those three the, between there, there's a little bit of studio trickery here he's playing the, the Rhodes piano I think it yeah. might be yeah. but also the guitar work you, they, they layer over it if you watch the live video in the studio I don't think the guitar the guitar's on there um, yeah uh, there's, there's a couple different versions of it in the documentary uh, Dave is playing the drums mm-hmm. um, and I think Josh is going back and forth by playing the bass and the um, and the guitar okay um, and then Trent is on both Rhodes piano and, and guitar. But one thing in particular that I really like is when Trent Reznor's vocals come in, it turns into the Star Trek V, row, row, row your boat thing, <laughs> because Trent's doing the vocals mm-hmm. of the, the chorus. He keeps repeating that. It's around. It's around. Yeah. Exactly right. And so, um, and then Dave and Josh, I think, are doing like a virus, like an ocean, you know, that part. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that. Like That's a, a great like a siren. Yep. yep. This yep. song is my favorite of the Trent and and Josh collaborations. Yes. Although I actually I, despite my feelings of Queens, I full on love two out of the three songs we've talked about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dave Grohl is kind of like the unifying member, right? Because because he did stuff bit. with Queens. He did stuff with yep. with yeah, obviously with Teeth. Um, as we talked yeah. about in the Ghost episode. Dave Grohl played on that fantastic Killing Joke album. Anyways. Yeah, no, it is. It's, that's, <laughs> I love watching, that's a really good record. I love, yeah. I love watching the drum, too. And, uh, and so he's kind of a unifying factor here, and, and they do all sound great together, and you can really hear Trent's... I mean, there is, like, there is sound. There is that noise that just kind of takes over yeah. about halfway through the song. I mean, it's it's very clear that it's a collaboration on this song. It's a great song. Did you song. say Ben Creek of Vultures was... Dave Grohl was in that. Dave Grohl. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's drumming, and then John Paul Jones. Yeah, John Paul, and that's that's interesting because Dave Grohl is very John Paul Jones esque, to where it's not about how fast you're going; it's how hard you're hitting and making your notes count. Yep. And uh, I, 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 I love watching Dave Grohl drum. I just I, so I'm I I am actually an advocate of Foo Fighters, even though I will yeah. fully admit that they're the Bob Seger of our generation. They really are. Um, you know. But I'd I, say they're more basic. Absolutely, they are more basic. <laughs> but I still like um, when they they have uh, their concrete and gold record. I felt was so good. Um, they have a song called "Run" or uh, "Ran" or something like that. In that, in it's in that ballpark. They write good pop rock songs. I'm telling you, it's yeah. fantastic. Um, I even was uh, after Queens of the Stone Age came out with Villains. I was like, I kind of think the Foo Fighters actually have a better record. We said that in another episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm just repeating it. No. 
I, I'm only bringing this up tonight because after listening to all our episodes in a row, I was like, ah, it's, I'm, good, I'm glad that we're consistent. That means we're not lying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you got, Aaron? Uh, just a couple more things that came out during this time. Um, we've talked about him a few times. Dave Satek from TV on the radio. I'm sorry, Eric. I, just, I, had to, I had to say it. Back to Mantra, which is a great song. And folks, if you haven't listened to it, find a song called Mantra with those three artists on it from the Sound City Reel to Reel soundtrack. It is amazing. And it, it, Josh Homie and Dave Grohl are great. But I really think it's a Trent Reznor song because the way it, the way it builds in the rising action, it's very Trent Reznor. There's it, a lot of rising action. The, that very, was the one word. Trent Reznor is the, the, he's the master of layering. <laughs> and that song's all about layering until it has a orgasm. Yeah. A climax, I'm sorry. Yeah. I um, love hearing Steve talk about orgasms. Yeah. Uh, so once again, going back to Dave Sedek from TV on the radio, he and Trent must have had it like a, an exchange thing because he remixed Head of Stray Angels. And Trent and Atticus remixed uh, the first band on Dave Satek's record label. Uh, and it was the band Destroyer and had a song called Telepath. Oh, I like Destroyer. Yeah, and there's and their remix is it sounds like a Trent Atticus thing. Like it's noisy, it's it's got atmosphere, it's got great drum programming. It's a very cool remix. You guys ever listen to Destroyer at all? Um I've heard uh, is that the like an acoustic? Act? No, it's a new pornographer's guy. And there are acoustic elements, but also okay. he has like chipmunk voices and stuff. It's okay. interesting. Okay. I've heard of this project. No, then maybe I got it backwards. <laughs> maybe Telepath is the band and Destroyer is the song. That must you be might, it. You might be right. Because Telepath is a is a it's definitely a lady lady okay. band. It's definitely a lady band. So I've got okay, it backwards. I've heard of You're right, Destroyer. Destroyer is actually new yacht rock, now yeah. that I think about it. That's what I thought. Yeah. So Telepath is the band, Destroyer is the song. My bad. Well, Still Great remix. Huh. Uh, so there was that, and then there was the Call of Duty uh, theme song. That's right, I forgot about which that. Which we talked about the game, yeah. but the uh, song is fantastic. It's a really good song. Um, Reminds me of like the Quake, where it gets huge, and then more gets melody, ambient, and it gets huge. It's, it's more um, or, or orchestral. orchestral. Yep. It's, more, it's more orchestral than the other sound. It's not grindy industrial. It's uh, bombastic. bombastic. It's a perfect word for it. There's actually yeah. two versions of it, and one of them is the orchestral mix, which mm-hmm. where they where they it's the same exact song, but they beef up the Boost horns up and the strings. Brass. Big old brass. Yeah, I gotta I gotta say if uh, yeah if, uh, seek out that uh, it's just what is it just called the theme song of Black Ops Two, right? Yep. Yeah, it, yep. I think yeah. it's on the streams. Um, I it's, think it's, it's on good. Amazon and on yeah. Apple yeah. Music. I I sent you guys a text. Uh, Somebody I used to work with, a really cool kid, he moved to L.A., and I swear he worked in some studio somewhere where he did work on that song. Um, I tried to text what was his old number. He either doesn't respond, he doesn't want to respond to someone he hasn't spoken to in seven years, or it's not his number anymore. Fair enough. Um, but anyways, tonight's the first episode, I think, where the ancillary material is better than the, the main course. Sure. So. I gotta say, I was so excited to have ancillary material on this episode. Yeah, I know. Slip, it's like, it's like, Slip had nothing. Yeah. Social yeah. Network had very little. Yeah. So exa- So happy to have some remixes and some side projects to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, I guess we'll close it up. Um, Steve, do you have any recommendations or plugs that you want to hit the listeners with? Well, thank you for remembering that I wanted to do that, but I I think I got like them all. Folded them in. I got them all out of my system organically. 
Excellent. Uh, everybody listen to Behemoth. It's not for everybody, but everybody give it a shot. Yeah. And by the way, uh, Eric and I went and saw the band Ghost last week, and it was one of the best live shows we've ever seen. Yeah. It was definitely theatrical. There was a lot of moves, a lot, a lot of, of co- a lot of costume change. Speaking of Elton John, yeah, but uh, it was a fun time. Oh man, there was a sermon in the middle of it that that actually spoke to me. It was it was beautiful. It was a beautiful wow. beautiful sermon about the ups and downs of life that I needed to hear at that moment in my life. So it was great. So that was just last week. Are you doing okay? <laughs> doing fine. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I I have no opinion on ghosts, but from the face of it, it's like. Cats for me- the metal crowd. <laughs> I think that's a, a, a niche that needed to be, a fucking void that needed to be filled. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's about, that's about it. Oh, yeah, if anybody, uh, if anyone has time, Orson Welles' new movie is on Netflix. Check that out. There you go. There you go. All right. We're really digging deep for our plugs. All right. So there it is, folks. Uh, give us reviews, comment on our Facebook page. Uh, Instagram, these guys, Eric and Steve, are the masters of the social media. I just put this fucking thing together. What, uh, what, what's coming up next? Probably hesitation marks and then Mark. Um, we're going to do all the score work in just one big package. We're not going to go track by track. We're just going to give our, our thoughts and ideas on the scores. And the movies. And talk about the movies as well and see like if the movies are good and uh if the score just makes us want to like the movies um we'll talk about the girl with dragon tattoo gone girl the vietnam war ken burns documentary um talk about uh uh this documentary that they did for um before the flood or before something the like flood, that the, the, uh, everybody's favorite topic climate change juno uh juno. which was another space thing and then not, not the uh, reitman movie yeah not the Reitman movie. Um, but other than that, I want to th- say thank you, and uh, we hope you enjoyed what you're listening to. That's right. Maybe you, 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 you know how to destroy angels now. Yeah, there you go. All right. We hope we brought you closer to pod. <laughs>